0: Stand with me, Sid, and stand with WABC as we honor those who protect and serve. ThinBlueLineUSA.com. Once again, use the code word SID.
1: 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. So I get by with a little help from my friends.
2: We do want to begin with yet another deadly mass shooting in America. The city of Louisville, Kentucky, is reeling after four people were killed and nine others wounded when a 25-year-old gunman live-streaming the attack open fire with a rifle inside a bank where he worked. Police showed up in just three minutes. He was killed in a shootout that has a rookie officer clinging to life. Former President Donald Trump is returning to New York City later this week. He's scheduled
3: to sit down for a second deposition with New York Attorney General Letitia James on Thursday. Her office has filed a $250 million civil fraud lawsuit. Trump is expected to arrive on Wednesday night and stay at Trump Tower in Midtown. Meanwhile, Republicans in Congress are escalating their legal threats against Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg after his indictment of former President Trump. Next Monday, the House Judiciary Committee is holding a hearing in New York City. Republican Jim Jordan of Ohio claims Bragg's policies have increased crime and made the city more dangerous. Bragg is hitting back, calling the move a political stunt.
0: New York's favorite number one morning talk show with The Cure, the great Robert Smith and The Cure, a night like this, 6.04 on your Tuesday morning. I enjoyed yesterday. I sat out by the river outside my apartment in Battery Park about 4 o'clock yesterday afternoon. It was 64 degrees and sunny. It was very nice, but I'm really looking forward to the next three or four days. Today, highs hovering around 75 degrees, that's a uh, no-shirt alert for sure. 80 tomorrow, no-shirt alert. 85 on Thursday, no-shirt alert, and 83 on Friday. The bad news is, is looking ahead to next week, my birthday week, it looks like temperatures fall back into the 60s, even 50s at night, and uh, some rain too. So if you like sunny, hot weather, The next four days, it'll be 70 Saturday, but no sunshine. So the next four days, starting today, is going to be a nice little preview of summer 2023. You know, talking about summer, so I'm laying in bed last night. The sun's coming down. It was still light out, me and uh, my beautiful wife, Danielle. And uh, we watch uh, a lot of the HGTV channel because we've got a house under construction. You guys know about this. It's now been three and a half months since we lived at our home in Bell Harbor, and uh, hopefully we'll be home in the next four to five weeks, and we can't wait. And my guy, Rich Clift, is doing an amazing job with my house. And we're two blocks away from the beach, and the weather is getting nice, and as much as I enjoy the river here in New York City, nothing is like the beach. John Katzmatidis says it all the time, and he's right. It adds ten years to your life. That's why if you're looking to rent an apartment uh, you would be really smart to take a look at Ocean Drive in Coney Island, right on the beach, where I've stayed many times. Many times, it's gorgeous, brand new amenities, the whole thing. Because beach life is, you're gonna live a lot longer, a lot longer. So, um, hopefully, we're gonna be, um, hopefully, we're gonna be getting home soon and and uh, getting back to um, back to our house again. Living in Manhattan hasn't been all that bad, but I uh, do certainly. Look forward to uh, to getting back now. Why I started this story, I have no idea. I was I was meaning to get to a point, as I usually do, and I, I don't remember what the point was going to be. So, and uh, Lewis is not paying any attention. And oh, I'm Justin, here. I'm here. I'm here. Nope. What do you mean? I no. heard you say no shirt alert. I, I jumped here. right to it. No, oh, I did say no shirt alert. You're it's right about that. Maybe that was there. the point. No, that, that was not. Sir, yeah. No, all right, nothing no. to do with that. Oh, no, nice I mean, the weather.
4: weather's yeah. nice and. The weather's nice. I did say that, and you were looking forward to it. And um... shut up, God.
0: So uh, yesterday, I made my return to the dentist. It has been a harrowing two weeks, as you know. Harrowing two weeks, and really, my whole European trip to go see my beautiful daughter Ava was ruined. Couldn't eat. Couldn't eat on the left side of my mouth because the cap fell out for the second time, and the right side of my mouth turns out I've got an ulcer. I don't have any damage from where they pulled the tooth. There's no infection. Nothing bad, just a bit of an ulcer to the tooth attached to the tooth they extracted. So my mouth is very healthy. That's the good news. Very healthy mouth. So the, uh, a different guy yesterday, a different dentist, put in a cap yesterday, the third cap I've received. Now coming up on Friday, this Friday, April the 14th, I get the, uh, you know, the real one. These are temporary caps. So the real cap gets put in this Friday, April the 14th, which happens to be both Pete Rose and Joe Tacopina's birthdays. Well, how about that? So um, I'm in much less pain today. I feel much better. So you got the nice weather. My keepuses feel better. My daughter's having a great time in Spain. My son has the week off. So he gets up every morning and... Heads to the basketball courts in Battery Park and works on his jumper. And uh, seemingly all things are good. But are they really? Well, for me, they may be okay. But for this city and this country, we know that's not the case. Another shooting yesterday in Louisville. Now, this is really very simple. You know, sometimes we have a hard time figuring out why people commit heinous crimes. You know, i like got bullying, I know that. These kids are going to schools, and whether it was um, Lanza in Connecticut or the animal in Uvalde, these are kids that have been bullied. Some of them are, are overly medicated, they're depressed, they're bipolar, all this garbage, you know. Then they go and they kill little kids. This one last night was easy to figure out. 25-year-old kid, he had suffered head trauma in the past. He actually... <laughs> I saw the pictures in the New York Post. His name was Connor Sturgeon, 25 years old. He uh, wore a helmet when he played basketball because he received so many concussions while playing football. So here's a kid on a basketball court wearing a helmet. Uh, yes, he, he looked. Yes, he, he looked like that. I'm not going to use the word. But um, what was the movie with Ben Stiller? And, uh, Waterboy. is that it? No, no. And uh, and uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, oh, um, the blonde chick. Something The Yes. Something Remember the brother? Oh,
5: that's what I remember. Oh, that is a, that's <laughs> yeah. a great movie.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess this kid was like Warren in that respect, but um, really very simply had some head trauma. So now they're talking about Aaron Hernandez, the former great Patriot football player who killed his best friend, went after signing a $40 million contract, and eventually committed suicide in jail. You know, Junior Seau, the great linebacker who killed himself, Dave Duerson, So they're comparing this kid to these guys. He had all, he had all this uh, head trauma. And when you combine that with the fact that, oh, minor fact, oh, the bank was about to fire him. <laughs> I mean, that's the real reason here. He was about to get fired. He was pissed off. He certainly had a bunch of mental issues and did have some head injuries. And he killed people. He used a rifle. I believe, not an AR-15. Do you know the uh, the weapon of choice? I'm tired of talking about that, too.
4: Oh, well, they just said rifle, so I, I guess that means yeah. AR, I don't know. I don't know if it was automatic. I, yeah, I, don't, I don't know either. All they know is uh, five people
0: are dead. It was four last night. Somebody died overnight. Eight have been injured, but one of those eight is a rookie cop. And let me tell you something about police officers. Bo Dietl is set to join us, as he does every Tuesday morning at 740. He's always great. Do you know why this cop is in critical condition? And this is why I got angry with Lydia. Oh, I love it. I miss her. But the whole of thing, she kept bringing it up months later. I mean, those cops failed, yes. But nine times out of ten, cops do what this rookie officer did yesterday, which was he ran towards the gunman. This guy was firing off rounds and rounds and rounds of shots. And this rookie cop ran towards the gunman and he got shot in the head so he is currently listed as one of the eight injured but he's severely injured and unfortunately may turn out to be the sixth person to die hopefully not but i want to point out how heroic this cop is and most cops are because you know this folks there is nobody and i mean nobody on the airwaves anywhere that is more pro-cop than Sid Rosenberg. Nobody. Mind you, I've still been arrested twice, did nothing for me back then, but that's fine. So here is uh, the Louisville PD chief on the bank shooting, where once again officers arrived on the scene within three minutes, folks, three minutes, showing us the medal, not M-E-T-A-L, the medal that most officers in our country have. This is once again Louisville PD chief, Lou Rapino cut number Thirteen.
6: Officers were on scene within three minutes. The suspect shot at officers. We then returned fire and stopped that threat. The suspect is deceased. This is the only time that I will mention the suspect name in this case. Good. The suspect has been identified as Connor Sturgeon, Low life. white male, twenty-three years of age, who was employed. At O National Bank. His weapon of choice was a rifle.
0: 23, she said. Uh, I have been told 25. Doesn't matter. Uh, She goes on to talk about this 26-year-old rookie cop who I just spent a bunch of time talking about, who was in stable condition right now. Lou Rapino. this is the Louisville PD chief, cut number 14. The
6: officer who is in critical condition today, Officer Nicholas Wilt, 26 years of age just graduated from the police academy on march 31st i just swore him in and his family was there to witness his journey to become a police officer he was struck in the head engaged in this incident nick has come out of brain surgery and is in critical but stable condition as we speak
0: so it turns out that one of the gentlemen that was murdered in this shooting spree in Louisville happened to be really, really close, really close with Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir, Well, let me tell you something. You know, we talk about governors on this station all the time. You know, we've had one on a couple of times, disgraced New York governor. I'm really a douchebag, Andrew Cuomo. Talk about Kathy Hochul, the governor now. What an embarrassment she is. And we have nice governors too, right? We like David Patterson. We like George Pataki. Then you get Phil Murphy in New Jersey. Another garbage. God, is he terrible. Gavin Newsom out in California. One of the worst governors ever. I mean, ever. This Andy Bashir in Kentucky. This guy is a real American. A great guy. So it does turn out that one of the guys that was murdered in this bank in Louisville yesterday was a close friend of the governor. So here he is, Lou Rapino, Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir, on the Louisville shooting. He gets very emotional here. Cut number 16.
7: This is awful. I have a very close friend that didn't make it today. And I have another close friend who didn't either, and one who's at the hospital that I hope is going to make it through. So when we talk about praying, I hope people will. For those that we are hoping can make it through, the surgeries that they're going through, then we've got to do what we have done these last three years after everything. We've got to wrap our arms around these families. And to everybody who needs it, don't be afraid to get some help.
0: See the difference? He talks about wrapping our arms around these families people getting help. Right, he wasn't yelling and screaming about eliminating the Second Amendment, getting rid of guns, AR-15s, make it stricter. That's what they do. That's what Democrats do. Andy Bashir, Republican governor, talked about prayer, hug each other, and get ill people some help. How many times... Over the last seven years have I talked to you folks, been on the air after these shootings, and complained about how quickly Democrats go to gun laws. I usually say rigor mortis hasn't even set in. That's how really disgraceful, insensitive Democrats are. We're talking about prayer and getting sick people off the streets. This kid was angry. He was about to get fired. That's motivation enough. You don't have to be Inspector Clouseau to figure this one out, but he was clearly crazy. He was a sick guy. I'm not sure if it was the head injuries or not, but clearly crazy and pissed. And that's America, folks. Listen, I'm a Republican. In fact, for some wild reason, the Metropolitan Club, the Republican Metropolitan Club, which is a big deal. My dear friend, the lovely Chris Alenzo runs it on the Upper East Side. Had a book signing there back in August. They're about to honor me on Monday night. The Met Gala is back. It's the 119th Metropolitan Gala. Takes place again this Monday. They're honoring three people. The Hunter Biden laptop repairman, John Paul Mac Isaac. They're honoring my dear friend, host 3 o'clock on this station every afternoon, America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani. And they're honoring me. And I said to Christian, I said, "Listen, I'm not one of these guys that hangs out at the First America Warehouse with Cash Patel and Steve Bannon. You know, not that that's a bad thing. That's just not me. You know, I'm not going to the Republican clubs, and you know, as, as the Daily News printed a couple of weeks months ago about me and Eric Adams going to see the Proud Boys. I don't even have that anymore. I don't know, but I am a Republican. I'm a Trump supporter, clearly." Talk to any major Republican in this city, any major Republican, and who do they listen to? Me. Who do they want to go on? What show? Me. From Lee Zeldin to any one of these folks, uh, council members to senators to congressmen, they know it. But I'm not one of these, like, crazy Republicans. I have no issue talking to Democrats, dining with Democrats, going to see Bruce Springsteen, watching De Niro. I don't let politics run my life, even though... I am a Republican. I really couldn't imagine voting for a Democrat. I really couldn't. The closest I think I've gotten is Eric Adams. And to be honest, he has disappointed me lately more than he's made me happy. And I would tell that right to his face. So there's no confusion here. You know, I don't sleep and eat this stuff. I'm not Greg Kelly. I don't. When I leave this place at 10 o'clock every morning, I have to tell you, There's almost no politics in my life. None. None. I spend more time reading and watching sports. I go to the gym. Now the weather's nice. I'll be at the beach. I just don't care. I don't get caught up in all this stuff. But when it comes time to talk about it, I try to be as honest and sincere as I possibly can. And anytime there's a shooting in this country, the Democrats come off as insensitive, they don't care, and Republicans, completely different story. Completely different story. All right, big, big shows all week long. I mean, really excited. Tomorrow, for example, we've got uh, Pipco back in studio. She booked Eric Trump for us. That is a huge deal, Eric Trump, coming up at 840 tomorrow. But today's show, 640, you get Brian Kilmeade, you get uh, Bo Deedle. 8.40, John, excuse me, John, Arthur Idala. 9.05, former star on 2020, Good Morning America. Even Fox News and Fox Business, John Stossel. And coming up at 9.25, the voice of the New York Knicks. And, of course, the main star on ABC, recent Hall of Famer, Mike Green. Don't forget, the NBA playoffs start this week. Both local clubs, the Knicks and the Nets, are in the playoffs. We're going to speak to both play-by-play guys, Mike Breen of the Knicks today, and my friend, the Birdman, Ian Eagle, who does the Nets games. He's coming up on Friday. So, huge day today, huge week coming up. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Spend your Tuesday with me. Sid Rosenberg right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC.
1: WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative.
8: Oh, you're my best friend.
1: 77 WABC.
0: Silent Lucidity, Queensryche, beautiful Tuesday morning, 628 here in New York. You're listening to New York's favorite number one morning show, and that's us, Sid and Friends, in the morning. We're going to talk to Brian Kilmeade coming up next. As we speak, Brian is one of the three hosts, as you know, on Fox and Friends, Fox News. Every weekday morning has his own show, which I've been a guest on many times, One Nation, 8 p.m. Saturday nights on Fox News. And um, you're going to hear in the conversation, he does bring up these Pentagon leaks. This is not a small thing. In fact, just moments ago, the Republican out of Florida, Brian Mast, was on Fox and Friends talking about these Pentagon leaks and how some of our information who were spying on, I mean, real, real serious information is out there. So John Kirby, the one thing about Kirby, man, he's always willing to speak. He'll go on Fox News, unlike a lot of Democrats, he'll do that type of thing. But he's a moron. The man is a moron, and has no right holding that position. Just like Joe Biden's a moron, has no right being president. He's old, and he's, I get it, he's cognitively got his issues, and he's a moron. Same thing with uh, Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State. This has to be, pound for pound, one of the worst administrations, if not the worst, in the history of the presidency. Biden, Kamala Harris, Haywood Jeffries, not Haywood, what's his name? Um, Hakeem Jeffries. I think Haywood played for the Knicks. Um, Lincoln. Was that somebody from the White Shadow? No, I think he played <laughs> on North Carolina or something. I don't know. Whatever. It's just, I mean, it's one pathetic soul after another. <laughs> You know, we just, we don't care about merit anymore. We just don't care. It's like I watch TV commercials now. I'll get to Kirby in a second. But have you noticed that you can't watch a TV commercial anymore that has just white people? Now I understand that it got uh, uh, uh crazy, right? It was only white people, forever, only white people. That wasn't right. So now every commercial I watch could be for medication could be for douche, could be for any product. Charmin, it's two black people, an Asian person, and if you're lucky, you get a white person at the end, if you're lucky. And that's our country. We we don't care about who's qualified, who's smarter, merit. We don't care. If you're black, you're great. If you're gay, oh, forget about it. If you're black and gay, <laughs> are you kidding me? It doesn't matter whether you're smart. There's a lot of very, 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 very smart men black gay people. But we don't care about that. That's not what we play here anymore. It doesn't matter. So this uh, Kirby, who happens to be white, so he doesn't fit that narrative, he was out uh, yesterday talking about all these leaks. So let's play this, Lou Rufino. John Kirby cut number 11 on the Pentagon leaks, and he's warning journalists don't report on this, John Kirby, cut number
1: 11.
9: Again, without confirming the validity of the documents, this is information that has no business in the public domain. Right. It has no business, if you don't mind me saying, on the pages of, uh, of uh, front pages of, of newspapers or on television. Oh, really? It is not intended for public uh, consumption, and it should not be out there.
0: So instead of John Kirby worried about China having all this information, Russia, Iran, Saudi Arabia, North Korea, whole list of folks that wake up every morning praying for the destruction of the United States. Instead of worrying about those countries which have all this information, he's worried about the New York Post. He's worried about some putts, you know, in Tennessee putting something on the paper about a Pentagon leak. You talk about priorities being a little screwed up. John Kirby. Here's uh, one more, cut number 12.
9: We're taking this very, very seriously. There is uh, uh, no uh, excuse for these kinds of documents to be in the public domain. They don't deserve to be they in the, in the public domain. They deserve to be protected. So we're going to get to the bottom of this.
0: You know, we also talked yesterday about this China-Taiwan conflict. We had a fascinating conversation with Gordon Chang on this show, 8.05 yesterday morning. Go back and listen. I thought we had a couple of really great interviews yesterday. Gordon, Michael Goodwin, 9.05, was really great. So Kirby talked about this uh, China-Taiwan conflict. And uh, once again, he's telling us how we should feel, how we should react. This would be uh, John Kirby. What is his exact title? Is he the Pentagon what? Spokesman? Yeah. Essentially. All right. Thank you, Justin. You're welcome. John Kirby, cut number nine.
9: There's no reason for tensions across the Taiwan Strait to devolve into any kind of conflict. No reason. Nothing's changed about our one China policy. Right. Nothing's changed about the fact that we don't support Taiwan independence. And nothing's changed about the fact that we don't want to see the status quo change unilaterally and certainly not by force.
0: So the question remains, why hasn't Joe Biden called President Xi in China? and said, hey, Chi, knock it off. Now, I have two theories as to why he hasn't done that. One is he's compromised, and him and his brother and his son and who knows who else has taken a ton of money from the Chinese. The other one is that he's scared because he's feeble and weak and not the leader that we had with Donald Trump in those four years. So they asked John Kirby yesterday, why hasn't the president reached out to Ping, to Xi Jinping? And here was Kirby's response, cut number 10.
10: We know the president can pick up the phone any time and call President Xi. We've been told that this call is coming for months. Why hasn't he just picked up the phone and called President Xi to say, knock it off?
9: Right. The president looks forward to having uh, another conversation with President Xi. Thank you. Uh, uh, we'll do that at the appropriate time. And we'll certainly keep you apprised sure. of that. Uh, It's important that those lines of communication stay open. Um, uh, The tensions are certainly high uh, right now. Uh, We'd like to see this relationship get onto a better footing. Uh, And when it's appropriate for the two leaders to talk, then that will happen. I want to stress, that said, that we are and have been able to maintain lines of communication between our two countries, even throughout all these tensions. And, in fact, we're still working to get... Secretary Blinken back on the plane over to Beijing, as he was planning to do (laughs) a couple of months ago. Uh, And we're in talks with the PRC about potential visits of uh, Secretary Yellen and Secretary Raimondo at their invitation, by the way, to talk about economic issues.
0: Wow. How about those folks? We're going to get Blinken. We're going to get Yellen. No wonder the world is laughing at us. Folks, you've got Brian Kilmeade coming up next, and throughout today's program, Bo Deedle, Arthur Idolot, John Stossel, the Hall of Fame voice of the Knicks, Mike Breen, as the Knicks get set to start their playoffs in Cleveland against the Cavaliers on Saturday. All that coming up today. Also, traffic with Joe Nolan, he's back. But right now it's time for the seventy seven WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under ten New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Today's cast is from the other side of midnight. That's my guy. I love Frank Morano. In fact, uh, week three of the final month of the winter book to our today, Frank will get big numbers like we will. Here he's talking with Marianne Pizzatola about public employees in New York not getting all they deserve when they retire.
5: If you're 80, 85 years old and on a fixed income and your pension is locked into what you were earning 45 years ago, yeah. another $2,000 a year can be a substantial uh, amount of money.
10: So to put that in perspective and thank you for saying that cuz so many people don't understand that. We have cops and firefighters who were your highest paid workers in New York City in the 70s. Their top pay then was $15,000 wow. a year. Wow. So Today, they're only making a pension of about $26,000.
1: This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness! Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC.
4: Justin Elk here with your bottom of the hour sports update Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers Go to PeerlessBoilers.com PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you They are the world's best built boilers on the diamond in Queens The Mets got back in the win column with a series opening 5 to nothing blanking of the San Diego Padres Jeff McNeil got things going with a two-run double in the third And the Metropolitans, they wouldn't look back from there While Max Scherzer rebounded on the bump with five strong innings of shutout ball The middle game of a three-game set We'll see David Peterson get the ball against San Diego's Ryan Weathers First pitch is scheduled for seven ten p.m. tonight As for the Yankees they weren't as lucky in their opener in Cleveland, losing a nail bite of three to two to the Guardians. After coming out hot to the tune of a two to nothing first inning lead, the Yanks fizzled out and were unable to muster any more offense for the night. And the bombers will try and bounce back in game two of the three game set tonight at six ten PM Eastern time. That'll be Ace and Garrett Cole taking the hill against Cleveland's hunter, Gaddis. On the ice, both the Rangers and Islanders were in action, just to take collective losses. The Rangers let one slip away in a shootout at home against the Buffalo Sabers, ultimately losing three to two, but taking the point nonetheless. With just one regular season uh, game left to play, New York pulled two points behind first place Carolina in the Metropolitan Division and one point behind second no, place it's a bad New loss. Jersey. Yeah, it's a tough
0: loss for them. So. A, they could have caught New Jersey mm-hmm. with a win, getting that extra point. Mm-hmm. So that one, they've got one regular season game left. They'll host Toronto, the Maple Leafs, at the Garden on Thursday night, but they needed. Both of those points last night to catch New Jersey, so you're pretty much... Locked into the three spot, yeah, the pretty much locked in. At yes. least
4: they, I think, I think they have do have a degree of control over their own destiny here. But uh, I believe they do need some help. As for the Isles, they fell five to two to the lowly Capitals on the road in Washington. The boys came out flat, dropping this one in the first period alone. After three quick Washington goals, the loss deals a significant blow to the Islanders' uh, playoff chances, which they no longer control with one game left to play on their schedule tonight. The Devils they'll welcome in the Buffalo Sabers at 7 p.m. Eastern time, and the NBA Play-in Tournament begins tonight. Eight seed Atlanta Hawks at seven seed Miami Heat at seven. 30 p.m. Winner moves on into round one against two-seed Boston, while the loser will play the winner of 10-seed Bulls at nine-seed Raptors, set for tomorrow night. Eight-seed Timberwolves and seven-seed Lakers at 10 p.m. later on this evening. The winner moves on to play two-seed Memphis in round one, while the loser will face the winner of tomorrow's 10-seed Thunder at nine-seed Pelicans matchup. Here with sports on 77 WABC. I'm Justin Alex, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com, to find a dealer near you the world's best-built boilers. Sit
1: in friends in the morning, 77 W.A.B.C.
0: Here on your Tuesday morning, a very busy Sid and Friends in the morning show today. Bo Dietl, he'll be here at 740 like he is every Tuesday morning. We'll talk to big-time attorney Arthur Idala in the 8 o'clock hour. Also, John Stossel, he wrote a great piece about President Trump. He hates Trump, but he said, you know what, this country would be much better off if Trump was president instead of Biden. We'll talk to John Stossel and also stopping by today, The Voice, of the New York Knicks and the NBA, Mike Breen, as the Knicks get set to start their playoffs Saturday in Cleveland against the Cavaliers. By the way, the voice of the Nets, they're also in the playoffs. They'll take on the Philadelphia 76ers, my dear friend Ian Eagle, who'll join me on Friday. So a very, very busy week, Eric Trump, coming up tomorrow at 8.40. But right now, we put this time aside for the man that follows me every morning here on WABC, does an amazing job at 10 o'clock, also part of two big-time shows on Fox News, Fox & Friends every morning on his own show, which is great, One Nation, 8 p.m. on Saturday nights. It's my dear buddy,
11: Brian Kilmeade. Happy Tuesday morning, Brian. Hey, uh, Sid, great a great lineup, man. Uh, that's fantastic. I love all those guys. And I'll tell you, if you don't mind, I, I'm pumped up for the NBA. Uh, not only, you know, the Knicks didn't go out and buy their team. Obviously, the Nets tore down their team, and they both play extremely hard you got a chance to watch them grow and get better. A lot of these guys from Barrett to Randall right before your eyes great pick up and then Brooklyn, they tear their team down, and they still make the playoffs, and they play like Warriors over in Brooklyn, and they're getting 17,000, 18,000. So I love that there's playoff basketball back in New York, but legitimate basketball.
0: No, I agree, and I had uh, gone sour for many years on the NBA. Guys like LeBron yeah. James, woke LeBron James, but like you, I love this Nick team, and and Brini, of course, is one of the greatest of all time, right there with Marv Albert. And the Nets, Mikael Bridges, quite a player. Like you said, no more Kevin Durant, no more Kyrie Irving. All these superstars gone, and they're a pretty good story. So, look, it's an exciting league right now, too. You've got some really good teams, teams like Milwaukee and Boston and Denver. But the Knickerbockers, they're not ready to win a championship yet. They may get by Cleveland, maybe, beating Milwaukee in the second round, almost an impossibility. But they are built, Brian Kilmeade, to be a good team for many, many years.
11: Yes, if Randall's ankle uh, gets better and he can actually run they definitely need him, but you know those ankles just linger. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. He could probably add a free agent now. I think the whole Oakley situation—they kept all big free agents out of there. By the way, Dolan treated Oakley was just horrendous. I think a lot of agents said, "Listen, they don't respect their players. I'm not going to go, even though it's the Garden." And I think we're beginning to get over that a little bit. We'll we'll see. Plus, I think the Nets about what five number one picks for everything they gave up. So and they got a great coach. So I I just, I love a team that's built. I don't like a team that's bought. Even if they win. You, I, I just, it just feels so much, so much yeah. like being a mercenary. <laughs>
0: you know, you're right. That's why the Yankees put all those players in the Joe Torre era. But we always talked about the core four, right? It was always uh, Derek Jeter, Bernie Williams, Mariano Rivera, Andy Pettit, all those guys, because they were the homegrown talent, and people tend to love those guys more. I agree. So, uh, yesterday I spoke to Michael Goodwin, who's great on your show too, by the way, of the New York Post, and I just spent five days last week traveling from Cardiff in Wales when my daughter Ava goes to college to London on Friday and Saturday we had a great trip with my daughter she's in Spain by the way this morning but I I, I said to Michael I go listen As soon as I get back to New York, I come to the crashing realization that excuses don't work anymore. Here's London. It's a huge city. I stayed in the theater district, Brian, much like New York City. Had Lion King, Mamma Mia, and Tina playing on the same block. Had all kinds of people from Germany, from Italy, from Brooklyn walking the streets. Guess what I didn't see? homeless people, feces in the streets. I saw none of that. It's pristine. It's beautiful. I took the subway. They call it the tube, the underground. You can eat off the floor. There is no excuse, no reason for the mayor here, Eric Adams, the Governor Kathy Hochul. I'm sick of hearing it. There's no reason why London can be that beautiful, and New York is still
11: a mess. It really pissed me off. It does. And, you know, London is sucking wind now economically. So you can't say, well, look at all the money they have. No, they divorced themselves from the EU. A lot of the banking moved out. Uh, and that that's, that that country's in a malaise right now. And still they know what to do. You know, they, they know how to clean up after themselves. They know what the problem is. And it's mental health and it's drugs here, and it's coming. A lot of it, the drugs coming from Mexico, uh, the the uh, foundation of which or the foundational principles come from China. Uh, and right now, the whole world is on fire. And New York, this is what I, I did this uh, today. It's a story in the New York Post. Three hundred fifty-three dollars per household. We're getting thirty-two thousand here illegally. One point four billion dollars spent since July on illegal immigrants. I mean, think about what we could do with that money to clean up our streets or get these people the help they need. I mean, this is unbelievable, and it's not just New York. I it, well, The worst is San Francisco. No, the worst is Los Angeles, and then San Francisco. Then comes New York.
0: Yeah, it really is a uh, sad story, and you're right. That is the order LA-1, San Francisco-2, New York-3. and. The immigrants, of course, are killing us, but when, when I go to Eric Adams, the mayor, and I say, listen, you can yell and scream all you want at Ron DeSantis and Abbott in Texas, and even, uh, you know, Biden, of course, blames Donald Trump for everything. The truth is, is that the guy that he wants to be calls himself the Biden of Brooklyn, Joe Biden, he's the guy behind all of this. So this is a Democrat policy that continues to destroy this nation. And that's why you can indict Donald Trump 100 times. He'll be back in New York, uh, I believe, tomorrow night. Another meeting with Letitia James coming up. Doesn't matter. You can indict this man a 100 times. Folks want America the way it used to be, not the way it is right now. And Donald Trump is the guy to deliver that message, Brian.
11: Well, um, I thought it was really good news, uh, and I'm happy for him, is that uh, they evidently they had a meeting with Melania over the weekend, and she said, I just want to meet with you. And this is the report. And she said, uh, he said, listen, I really need you, and she is all in. She's going to be by his side. And the one deal they had a few months ago, he said, listen, I need you to be around Barron more, and he did. And she's, and you know, this is embarrassing for her, all this stuff going on with Stormy. Daniels and you know this woman accused him of McDougal a rape too. that's yeah. coming up in a few weeks Right, right so everyone's was like well oh, where's Melania where do you think she is I mean what do you think she wants to do she's not an idiot she's picked, she's ticked off so now she's like I'm all in so you know she that really helps I mean people underestimate that relationship so so Donald Trump just to, my whole thing with him is he consolidated his base. Well, if he expanded and went over independence. His policies work. We don't have a president right now. If you saw Biden with Al Roker yesterday, he could not say two words. He ate every sentence. And he does not talk to the press. He does not talk to the president of China. He doesn't talk to Vladimir Putin. He didn't pick up the phone and blister Macron for saying, I'm going to stay impartial when it comes to Taiwan and China, and I'll be interested in possibly getting off the dollar as my currency. You should get Macron on the phone before he leaves to, uh, uh, Beijing and say, are you crazy, Mr. Tailored Suits? Are you nuts? So uh, Instead, they get nothing except for they're a good ally. So, and now we have the leak of the Pentagon, the, all these private communiques that are giving out our intimate secrets, how we spy on other countries, what we say. It, we don't even know where the leak is from. And our president's going to Ireland. Fantastic. You know what he's going to be, you know what he's like without jet lag. Can you imagine how, how <laughs> incomprehensible he's going to be over there? And why is he going to Ireland? It's the only country that we don't have to deal with. No, that's true.
0: There were no issues last I checked, thank God, with Cork or Shannon or Dublin. But he's on his way there, of course, um, historic day yesterday, dating back 30 years ago. Bill Clinton, Peter King, they can tell you all about it. But he has uh, doesn't need to go there right now. There's, there's enough going on in this country uh, and, of course, around the world that Joe Biden should pay attention to. Yet, 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 uh, there is still a healthy amount, a healthy amount of Americans that hate Donald Trump so much. And if you hate Donald Trump, odds are, odds are, you're going to hate Ron DeSantis, too, because they are very similar despite Donald Trump's attacks on Ron. They hate these guys so much that they'll still vote for Joe Biden. Right now, as far as I know, in fact, outside of RFK Jr., there is nobody that's going to even try to run against Joe Biden.
11: How could that possibly be? Well, did you see the interview that uh, Gavin Newsom gave? I've never seen anything like it. I mean, he is sitting there saying, I'm in Florida because I want to give these people a sense of freedom and independence that they're not. They're banning books in Florida, and these people can't be free. Librarians are under arrest. Are you crazy? It's like the Pittsburgh Pirates coming to New York to lecture the Yankees on a winning legacy. <laughs> I'm, are you crazy? Just because he's a good looking guy, he is the worst governor of the country. There's no. do You think people leave in New York? The number one place. Well, oh, let me leave. stop you right there. The, the, most, worst,
0: wait, the, worst California. Governor, the worst governor in the country. You better hope that Janice Dean doesn't hear this. <laughs> Oh, well, like, you mean for, there's a former governor oh, okay, that yeah. is worse. <laughs> that is true. By the way, even the current governor, Kathy Hochul, may be every bit as bad. But you're right, Gavin Newsom out in Los Angeles. Yes, he was married at one point to Kimberly Gilpoyle. That's a notch in his belt. But otherwise, I uh, can't argue, he probably is the
11: worst governor in the country. That's very interesting how you characterize a former relationship as notch in belt. <laughs> what a charming thing to say! Hey, uh, you guys no longer together? Okay, yeah, so he's, he's you're a notch in his belt. That's interesting. You know, it's funny. That's when I got to
0: know Kimberly. She was um, she was doing a midday show with a guy named Vinny Politan, and it was on Court TV. It was the early two thousands, and I was becoming uh, you know, an, a, a rising star here in New York at WFAN. And every time an athlete got into trouble back then, guys like Jason Williams, he shot the limo driver, Alan Iverson, Catherine Crier would bring on FAN people, specifically me, to talk about these cases. And when she didn't have room for me, they would put me on with Vinnie and Kimberly. And at the time, on that court TV show, her name was Kimberly Newsom. She was married to Gavin, oh. and now, of course, she's with uh, Donald Trump Jr. But, uh, yes, I uh, I often do do that, which is very sophomoric, very Brooklyn, and quite frankly, insulting.
11: <laughs> <laughs> uh, put it this way. Uh... Uh, All I can tell you is there's nothing real about him. So there's an authentic. I'll give you an example. It's not a matter of party. You look at Governor Bashir in Kentucky. That guy, I've seen him in two or three catastrophes. He speaks from the heart. He just puts on a windbreaker and goes out there and goes, let's clean this thing up. Yesterday after the horrific shooting, he lost two friends, personal friends. And he sit there, when when people start talking to him about guns, he goes, now's not the time. He's now's not the time. That's leadership. I don't care what party you are, but that's real. I would know if I want to vote for him. Or her, because they're real. There's nothing real about Gavin Newsom. You don't like to say You love to say it. real. Trump is real, right? Biden is is shot, but there's, there's nothing real about Gavin Newsom, which is crazy. So if in, in October, Joe Biden says, I'm not running again, Gavin Newsom becomes a front runner. Yes. And he does look the park and deliver his no. speech, can no. put his teeth in and look like a Barbie doll or the Ken doll. And I feel as though people will be duped, and that worries me, because he can't do the job.
0: No, he certainly can't. Uh, They had a one-two punch of Eric Garcetti. Uh, He was uh, the mayor, of course, in Los Angeles when Newsom was the governor of the state. And people, of course, remember Gil Garcetti, Eric's father, during the O.J. Simpson trial. And those two guys are every bit as bad as de Blasio and Cuomo, or if you want to go with de Blasio, Hochul or Adams Hokel, every bit as bad, if not worse, uh, worse than Schwarzenegger, if even that's possible. So you make a uh, great point. Listen, I love you. Whether it's uh, Fox and Friends, I love One Nation. Here with me or after me, 10 o'clock every morning, Brian, you're about the most versatile, and uh, you're, you're a 5 tool player, bro. I love you. Thank you so much.
11: Well, thank you very much, Sid. Now, did you write that down ahead of time, like I got to come out with a positive close for Brian, uh, or did you that come from the heart?
0: To be honest, Justin Ellick wrote it for me about 20 minutes right. ago. I thought so. <laughs> and, and listen, thanks for your honesty. That's why I vote for you, Sid, because you are honest. <laughs> no, come on. Right. Uh, I wrote it and I meant it. I sincerely mean it. I love you. Yeah. Thank you for a great job today. We'll do it again next week, buddy. Be well.
11: All right, stay within yourself.
0: <laughs> You know, I love that. There he is, everybody. Does a great job after me, 10 o'clock every morning on this station. And, of course, Fox and Friends and One Nation, Saturday nights on Fox News. My man, Brian Kilmeade, a huge guest list the rest of the week, really, right here on Sitting Friends in the Morning. And we'll be right back.
8: Welcome.
1: WABC. This is Sit Friends in the Morning. Oh, no, I get by with a little help from my friends.
8: Oh, I could hide beneath the wings of the bluebird as she sings. The six o'clock along would never ring puts its ring and I rise wipe the sleep out of my eyes my shaven razor's cold and it stings I just heard
0: a commercial a for the Monkees. This, of course, is Daydream Believer by the Monkees. I two of this Tuesday edition, Sitting Friends in the Morning. Brian Kilmeade was just great. We've got four amazing guests still to come your way. Bo Deedle this hour, big-time attorney, Arthur Idala in the 8 o'clock hour. And then uh, two really big guests, John Stossel, formerly of uh, 2020, Good Morning America, Fox News, He wrote a uh, great piece about Trump in Sunday's New York Post. He'll join us, and Mike Breen, the Hall of Fame voice of the Knicks and the NBA playoffs as the Knicks start their playoff run in Cleveland against the Cavaliers on Saturday. But I just heard a commercial for the Monkees, and here's where the great Louis Ruffino comes in big. And uh, they're going to perform somewhere in the near future. And as far as I know, Davy Jones, who of course took Marshall Brady to the prom, you remember that, and he sang, "Gal, look what you've done to me." He, uh, he dead, Davy Jones. I know Mickey Dolan sings. He, he, you know, he, he's a man. Well, no, he no. Sings,
5: well, he sings on a number of songs. Not,
0: not even good ones.
5: <laughs> yeah, okay. and, and now
0: you tell me Davy Jones is not the only dead monkey? There's a bunch of dead monkeys? <laughs>
5: yes. Monkeypox has claimed a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Peter Tork is dead. He Peter died a, cu- a couple of years ago. Peter yeah, he Tork. is dead.
0: Yeah. So, dead. how do the monkeys, it would be like the Eagles. I mean, I know Glenn Fry's dead, dead. but no Don Henley. How do you do that?
5: With difficulty, I mean, who would want to? It's like going to see Queen, maybe, without Freddie Mercury. Well, but, no, but except the, they've been successful. Well, of course, the guy, Adam Lambert, is actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah he is good. And yeah.
0: the guy that replaced Steve Perry in Journey is actually pretty good. So I guess you can do it, but yeah, I don't know. I just, why would Mickey Dolan is know. such a dick. No one likes him. <laughs>
8: Not
5: a dick.
0: Oh, he's a dick. Let me tell you something. WCBS in this city, they lead the league in hiring dicks. They went from Mickey Dolenz to Scott Shannon. Oh my
5: god. I mean, <laughs> Mickey Dolenz is not as bad as you. I've met him a couple of times. He's he's not a bad. He's a nice guy. He's a complete jerk off. Okay. Everybody hates his guts. Okay. The whole band hated his guts. That's not really tragic. Where are you getting this information? Let's go to Gnome Layton. Yeah, he's our. To um, who's the monkeys that's
0: expert. right. He's the Monkey's expert. How do you know? Gnome, no, what do you. What, uh, can you please confirm what I just told Lewis about Mickey Dolan's relationship with the band, please?
12: I had heard that. But um, the same thing that you had heard. But I have this great Davy Jones story. It's long and complicated why I was hanging out with him in a North Carolina supermarket. This is not true. This is true. So was it, it
0: Charlotte? Be. Was it Asheville? It was Charlotte.
12: No. And uh, he was on tour for a Broadway show. I was dating somebody in the Broadway show, so anyway, we were hanging out. And he looked at the cashier and he said, "I bet you by the time I get to the front of the line that she'll agree to come back to my hotel room with me." He said that. Yeah. And so I. And said, you bet against it. Yeah, of course I wouldn't. Because no. he was like an older man at this point. Yeah, but he's dating And David sure Jones. enough, like an hour later, there she was. There at she the front was. Door. Yeah. See, the
0: better story would have been she decided not to go back to his room. And one to yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Should have told it that way. Uh, thank you for that, Norm sure. Laden. There you have it. Your monkeys update at 710 every Tuesday morning here on Sitting Friends in the Morning. You know, there was uh, this UFC fight this weekend. This is a sport I- I've never gotten into. My late, great partner, Bernard McGurk. Ooh, wait, oh, Carol, uh, uh, a message. Jeez, Carol and Brendan. Danielle and I bought a whole bunch of clothes. I mean, we spent a ton of money on little Colin Bernie McGurk. Bernie's grandson, and uh, they were in Orlando for a couple of weeks, and Carol got back to all these boxes and sent me the loveliest message a couple of days ago. i got to get back to her. But uh, Bernie, and we do come live this morning for the Bernard McGurk Studios, and I'm still talking about Bernie, and uh, the poor guy's been gone for almost six months. That's how much I love and miss him. But he, um, he loved this UFC stuff, and I couldn't stand it. But out of respect to him, because I talk so much sports, And I made him talk football and baseball and basketball and all this stuff he couldn't care about. So I followed along with him. And we had all these people in studio, you know, and we we had Dana White on a couple of times. I like Dana White. He's a big Trump supporter. I mean, I could do without him slapping his wife around, but he's not the first guy in sports to do that. So I would follow these guys, and we brought in a couple of, uh, what's his name, Colby Covington. Trump loves him. He's a champion fighter. He was in studio a couple of times with me and Bernard, and I... You know, again, very loosely followed the sport. But since Bernie died and Dana White did that to his wife, basically the UFC died for me. But they had they had a big event this weekend. I think it was like UFC 287. Because according to Macedonia Film, who, yes, you guys have figured it out. He's not on the show anymore. they would moved him elsewhere. I love when they figure stuff out.
5: Yeah, that's my favorite. It is yeah. my favorite part.
0: Yeah, it takes like a month and a half. They go, hey. Is Andrew Giuliani still on the show? No. Is <laughs> Deb Valentine still doing news? No. Morons. But I like how they God. bounce
8: it off each yeah. other. Yeah. Well, and what then... do you
0: think? Well, what happened? Well, why doesn't Sid tell us everything? Because it's not my job to tell you anything. Do you call me when your friend gets fired at the at the at the bank branch today? What are you talking about? We don't. I'm not obligated to tell you anything.
5: And then one of them has the definitive answer. Yes. And explains to the other. Oh, this is what happened. Sure. So, so what happened
0: up? was, yeah. Noam forced out Deb Valentine, and Andrew knocked on the table, and, oh, God. I'm not telling you anything. I don't want to. So UFC 288 is coming up May the 6th in Newark, New Jersey. It's a pay-per-view event, according to Phil. But 287, I guess, just took place. And uh, this guy, well, i got to tell you, you know, I actually unfollowed Joe Rogan yesterday. Now, you would have thought... Being the proud Jew that I am, I would have unfollowed Joe Rogan weeks ago when he took a shot at the Jews, but I didn't. I forgot about it. But I woke up Monday morning to like 9,000 Instagram videos of some guy named Stylebender. That's not his real name, that's his Instagram handle. He has like 8 million followers, and I guess he's a champion in the sport, and I couldn't care less. And I got annoyed, so I stopped following Joe Rogan. Shalom. Yeah, but this guy, Masvidal. One. You know this guy, uh, uh, he retired. You know Jorge Masvidal Lewis?
5: No, you, you, know, you might as well have said something in uh now, You hate 90s. this sport too, right? I, I don't hate don't. it. Hate it. Are you yeah. kidding?
0: I miss boxing. I'm sorry. I know uh, I got 9,000 people. I got a buddy named uh, John. He's in my ear for years. Jonathan Siegel. So much more exciting than boxing. Every fight is great. And I told you this before. Bernie would come in Monday mornings and go, i go, what did you do this weekend? Oh, I watched the fights on Saturday. Really, who fought? I have no idea. But they were great fights. Well, how can, I mean, the whole beauty about the sport is the pomp and the circumstance. You know, when, whether it's a bad fight or not, when, when you've got, for example, Mayweather fighting, uh, I don't know, De Hoya. I was out in Vegas for that. It was a crappy fight, but it was such a big deal. Pacquiao. Fighting Mayweather. You know, you got a bunch of guys who fight on Saturday nights on ESPN+. Plus, and outside of Stephen A. Smith, no one knows who these people are. Nobody. Especially here in New York. We, I know they fill up the garden every time, but we don't care. I was actually told by management at WFAN, do not talk boxing or MMA. Don't do it. They had one guy they let do it. The one black guy at the station, Tony Page at midnight. That was it. That was it. Otherwise, Trump was like, no, 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 no.
5: No one cares. Don't nobody please it.
0: No, let, no. Tony let Tony do that. Tony, do that. So, Jorge Masvidal uh, retired. And uh, I guess the reason why we love this guy is in his retirement speech, he found a way to include Trump. Trump loves this sport. He goes to all these fights. He actually does. He goes, Eric, his son Eric, who's going to join me tomorrow at 840, thanks to Liz Pipko. He goes, and Trump was there at this event on Saturday, and Jorge Masvidal pointed it out. This would be cut number 18.
13: I also want to say, greatest president in the history of the world, sitting right there. I love that guy. We also got the greatest governor of all time here in Florida. Let's keep Florida free, red State, and let's take that. You know who? Let's go brand this out of power and replace him. We're back again in just one time.
8: Let's go, Brandon. (laughs) Let's go, Brandon. Yeah, pretty cool. Miami making love for Jorge
0: Masvidal. All right, so that was in Miami this weekend. Happy retirement to Jorge Masvidal. They started the let's go, Brandon chant that was great. He pointed out Trump and DeSantis. I'm sure Donnie didn't like that all that much. And then once the fights were over, Dana White jumped in. He talked about the big UFC event, and he also mentioned President Donald Trump. This is Dana White cut number 19.
5: I've always been curious about this. Donald Trump was here watching the fights with be What sort of fight fan is he? Is he like a guy who wants to see a brawl? Does he want to see a technical back and forth? Like, What
3: was he sitting there to say to you? So this guy calls me twice a month and will talk to me for an hour about fights that have happened, you know, since the last time we talked. And uh, he knows everybody. He, he knows uh, you know, what they did and and, and uh, who they fought last. and oh, He's a huge fight fan. Loves this stuff. He's his favorite fight huh? Three guesses. Huh? Huh? Colby
8: yeah. Covington and,
3: and, and, yeah. and Jorge, and Jorge you Masvidal. should probably guessed that. <laughs> yeah. Masvidal and Covington.
0: All right. So there you have it. Dana White and Jorge Masvidal. Oh, this guy's annoying me. Steve Shapina. I'm going to block him right now. This guy's... Like, if I don't answer every stupid Instagram message he sends me, you know, he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, the funniest guy in the room, and he's not. For a radio guy, you've got a lot to learn. All the monkeys are dead except Mickey Dolan's. Well, I don't spin records, stupid. I don't. Last I checked, I'm a talk show host.
5: Mike Nesmith dead? May maybe he seen. is. Maybe he isn't.
0: Who cares? But this guy just annoyed me, so let me just get to the block thing. You're blocked.
5: <laughs> <okay>. God, idiot. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, he's dead. Okay, okay.
0: great. go? No. So, Steve Schapen, maybe he'll get a show now on some stupid podcast in Tennessee. Give him a call.
5: Well, that just fixed the show. Yeah, well, thanks. Trump, that's good. Thanks, Steve. Yeah. So,
0: um, so <laughs> Trump, beloved as he is, if you heard the interview I did with Brian Kilmeade at 640 this morning, uh, Trump, of course, came up, and he came up in a positive way, and then Biden came up. And Kilmeade mentioned this interview that Joe Biden did with Al Roker yesterday where Biden couldn't finish a sentence. It was really embarrassing. Well, I've got some of that for you right now. This is courtesy of Al Roker, NBC, the Today Show, number one here. Roker asks Biden about running in 2024, and here is your current president, Joe Biden, cut number one.
14: I was just wondering
13: uh, oh, Mr. president, uh, will you be uh, taking part in the Easter egg rolls uh, after planning on after twenty twenty four I plan on some, uh, at least three or four more easter egg rolls at least three or four more maybe maybe five maybe five <laughs> maybe maybe well, six well, what the hell I are you know. are you saying that that uh, you would be? Uh, taking part in uh, our upcoming election, twenty-four. 2024. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll either roll an egg or you know, being the, the you know the guy
0: who's <laughs> hold on a, a second, oh, on. stop that right Tell
8: there. No,
0: no. No. I just couldn't understand that answer. He, did, did, did you get Did you get that? What what, uh, what Biden said there? You
12: know, in the beginning, I got it, right. but that last part. Well, what no. happened?
0: Play that again, <laughs> Joe Biden. Cut number one without Roker.
13: I was just wondering, uh, uh, Mr. President, uh, will you be uh, taking part in the Easter egg rolls uh, after planning on after 2024? Well, I plan on some, at least three or four more Easter egg rolls. At uh, least three or four <laughs> more. Maybe, maybe five. Maybe five. <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> well, six. What the hell? Are you know. are you saying that uh, you would be... Uh, taking part in uh, our upcoming election in 2024. Well, I'll either be uh, rolling an egg or, you know, being, the, the you know, the guy who said <laughs> the N-word, there. <laughs> help,
0: help a brother out. Make no, no, no. no. <laughs> I, well, I, I plan on running out,
13: but we're not going to
0: announce yet. I think he said the N-word. I don't even know what he said then. <laughs> You got uh, Al Roker, who used to be fat and jolly. Now he's skinny and miserable talking to this man. So
5: here's one more. Who
1: can't talk?
5: I mean,
0: he can't talk. Then he goes on to talk about we've got to be nicer to each other. Of course, the man that talked about unity and I'm going to unify the nation. And the nation is even more divided now than it was under Trump and Obama. This is Joe Biden, Al Roker. Today's show, cut number two.
13: We've had Passover, Easter, Ramadan. Uh, What's the message that you have, you and Dr. Biden have for for our nation? We reach out to somebody, do something nice, just a simple act of kindness. I mean, it's not complicated, and it's amazing what happens. Open the door for someone. You know, pick up something (laughs) if they drop it. Move and say hello. I mean, I, I really mean it. I just think we're we've gotten much too tense as a nation. I just think we have to be a little more
0: open so we got much too tense we need to be nicer we need to unify here's kellyanne conway i like this lady an awful lot and she's done with that husband of hers that no good guy what what is his name harry or something or george george conway kellyanne conway on fox says biden is anything but the unifier he acts like he is cut number three
8: according to cnn's poll of all places Two-thirds of Americans say that Joe Biden lacks the stamina and the strength to be an effective president. Sixty-five percent say that he doesn't have a vision for the future. And he's not the unifier and the straight talker, the truth teller that he promised he would be. Um, He's been anything but that. But when the vast majority of Americans, including if not especially independents who who will choose the next president of the United States, have no confidence in your competence, it's troubling.
0: Kellyanne Conway right there on Fox News. Okay, we've covered so much. The show is only 83 minutes old. And we have four great guests still stopping by. Bo Deedle, always amazing on a Tuesday, set to join me in about 17 minutes. Famed attorney, Arthur Idala, coming up at 840. John Stossel. He's terrific. He's coming up at nine oh five. The voice, Hall of Fame voice of the New York Knicks and the NBA playoffs. Mike Breen coming up at nine twenty five. Tomorrow, you show Liz Pitko in studio. We've got Peter King. We've got Eric Trump. Thanks to Liz coming up at eight forty tomorrow, and Jeff Smulyan Thursday a big show as always. Bill O'Reilly and Judge Napolitano and Friday. Boris Epstein, Donald Trump's right-hand man, and with Breen on today, the voice of the Brooklyn Nets, the Birdman, Ian Eagle, here on Friday, too. Those are just some of the great guests we've got the rest of the week, but we'll come back with Bill O'Reilly's morning message there's some more monkeys. Right here on New York's favorite talk show, that's me, Sid Rosenberg, Talk Radio 77, WABC.
1: This is sit and friends in the morning. 77 WABC.
3: A nice long-term outlook for the Knicks legs. Uh, What about the next month or so? What what do we expect to see from them in this year's playoffs? Yeah. Well, look, they pushed this thing forward by a mile, and Brunson is the main reason for that. And I think they could beat Cleveland potentially in the first round, but it stops there. Just like Tim said, I think it's a five or six game series. After that against Milwaukee, um, the Bucks just are just too much, too deep. The Knicks have, have moved it to a position now where you can see them start to become relevant. They're inching toward being a contender in the East. But right now, they're not on a level with the Bucks or the Celtics. I actually thought at one point Philadelphia was flirting with that four spot. and they were battling with Cleveland. If Philly had dropped to four, I, I thought maybe that was a team the Knicks could potentially beat in the first round. But when you're talking about Milwaukee, Boston, that's a different class right now for the Knicks. They still need to add more to get to that level.
8: We'll shuffle through the city on a 4th of July, had a firecracker waiting to blow. Breaking like a rapper who was making his way to the cities of Mexico. Living in a apartment.
0: My old friend Tim Legler on ESPN yesterday. The playoffs starting in the NBA. Two play-in games tonight. Eastern Conference, the Miami Heat will take on the Atlanta Hawks. And the Western Conference, the Minnesota Timberwolves will take on the Lakers. Lakers, second-best record in the NBA since the All-Star break. they become dangerous. But locally, we get going this weekend. The Knickerbockers in Cleveland against the Cavaliers and the Brooklyn Nets will take on the Philadelphia 76ers and both play by play men and both are the best in the business Breeny one of the all-time greats of Hall of Famer Mike Breen of the Knicks he will join us today coming up at 9:25 and Ian Eagle of the Nets coming up on Friday at 9:25 great time of year you know you got the first couple of weeks of major league baseball how about the Tampa Bay Rays 10 and 0 10 and 0 it win last night on a Brandon Lowe eighth inning home run. What a story! So already the Yankees are four back, and we're not even midway through April yet. So the Rays are a great story. The Mets, they beat San Diego. Exact revenge. Max Scherzer was terrific. So you got baseball. You got the basketball playoffs. The NHL season winds down this week. The Rangers down to one game. That's it. They'll host. Toronto at the Garden on Thursday night, and the NHL playoffs are the most exciting playoffs in the world. Anybody who argues that doesn't know sports. The Super Bowl, the World Series, the NBA Finals, even the Masters does not compete with Stanley Cup playoff action. Just doesn't. And that's the only time of year I'll watch teams outside the Rangers regularly. Like, I'm not going to sit home on a Tuesday night and watch the Penguins take on Tampa Bay, but I will in the playoffs. So that all gets going next week. You have to admit, uh, Lewis, you got the NFL draft coming up
5: this month, too. Doesn't get much better, and now the weather is gorgeous. This is a great time Right? right now. Great time when you're coming out of that long winter. Especially in New York. Oh yeah, it feels good. And you got look at the look at the garden right now. I know. Knicks and Rangers. Rangers look. Rangers look really good. Uh,
0: This is look. Ninety four. The Knicks were supposed to win it all, and we know, of course, they lost to the Houston Rockets because Ewing couldn't stop Elijah Wan basically, and OJ Simpson was uh, running wild. But ninety four. The Knicks lose a game seven. The Rangers win a game seven. Messi and the boys beat Vancouver. I'm not saying this is 94, but to your point, Lewis, the lights are on for both teams. That is a huge deal. I mean, look, you got the, the Rangers are in, the Devils are in, the Isles maybe not, but they're close. The Knicks are in, the Nets are in, the Mets and Yankees very
5: well. Both may win their divisions. Rangers are constructed so well, Rangers actually, can win right yeah. now. And you see Ryan Lindgren? I saw like that. that. Did you see him get hit in the face last he night? He did. And and he, and he just comes right. I thought he'd forget it. he broke his cheekbone. He's hey, the come.
0: toughest guy I, I've, I've ever I've seen. I've never
5: seen a tougher. And I'm
0: is. glad you brought Ryan wow. Lindgren up because one of the most famous cops. Bo Dietl is coming up next. One of the most famous cops in New York history was a gentleman named Stephen McDonald. And Steven, who I got to know very, very well, don't forget, I coached all those celebrity Ranger games at the Garden three straight years for Christopher Reeve when he was still alive, and his beautiful wife when she was still alive. I got to coach guys like Jason Priestley, Gary Delabate, and and uh, Mark Messier and Ron Duguay. It was great up against all the guys at Z100, and uh, those were um, those were great times. Those uh, Ranger celebrity hockey games. Didn't get better than that. Uh, but what was my point going to be here,
5: otherwise? Well, uh, you were talking about uh, the former police officer. Stephen uh, McDonald. Stephen yeah. So he got shot,
0: and he was in a wheelchair, and he would show up at all these major events, and then he was at Ranger games almost every night. And eventually, they came up with the Stephen McDonald award for the Ranger player that shows the most courage throughout the season. Now, the two defensemen to win that award before last night in the history of the Rangers, pretty good players. In fact, maybe the two greatest defensemen ever, Brian Leach and Adam Fox. Well, last night, Ryan Lindgren got that award. Now, don't forget, this guy's missed a lot of time due to injury, a lot. But when he's out there, the Rangers almost never lose, never.
5: That's how important Ryan Lindgren his, believe it or not to the rangers and it takes a lot to get him out like yes that. he is really to oh man and he got
0: the stephen mcdonald award last night which is a great one so congratulations to ryan lingren and most importantly the honor and the great life of stephen mcdonald still lives on even though he's gone with our favorite ranger players so bo deedle is coming up in a couple of minutes
1: talk Radio 77 WABC This is Sid and Friends in the morning 77 WABC
7: This is awful I have a very close friend that didn't make it today and I have another close friend who didn't either and one who's at the hospital that I hope is is going to make it through So when we talk about praying I hope people will for those that we are hoping can make it through, the surgeries that they're going through. and then we've got to do what we have done these last three years after everything. We've got to wrap our arms around these families. And to everybody who needs it, don't be afraid to get some help.
0: on the wall. I was 6th Avenue Heartache. I always get confused. I know my late great partner, Bernard, his sister Bernadette died of cancer years before him. And uh, Dylan, this group, had uh, two famous songs, popular songs, I should say. One was One Headlight and this one, Avenue Heartache. One of these two was Bernadette's favorite song. I forget which one. Do you remember?
5: Well, I... I... Go back and forth. That's yeah, me too. I were talking, I thought it was. I thought I heard Bernard say a few times, "One headlight." Either way, this it is. It uh, said. There's
0: a third. Bernie mentioned already this morning. are other so. guys
5: on this song too, by the way. You're, Who else? You're, uh, you're Counting Crows. Uh, Adam Duritz. Yeah. Yeah. As lucky as anybody I've
11: ever like,
0: He banged the whole set of friends. Every like one a, of them look like a ferret. <laughs> I God. Know. He's a Jewish guy with dreadlocks. That's all you need to know. So we played a cut there from Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir, This latest shooting in Louisville. Five dead, that may be six. There's a rookie cop whose life is on the line. This guy, the Kentucky governor, two of his friends died in that bank yesterday. He wasn't talking about gun control. He wasn't talking about AR-15s. He was talking about love and prayer. That's the difference between Republicans and Democrats. My next guest, talking about a hero cop, Stephen McDonald. This guy shot in Louisville yesterday, spent the better part of two decades as one of the greatest cops in the history of New York City, has going to to become a great actor. Movies like uh, Goodfellas, Wolf of Wall Street, The Irishman, television shows like Gravesend and Godfather of Harlem, and most importantly, a dear, dear friend of mine for the better part of 25 years, the great Bo Deedle. Good morning,
14: Bo. Good morning. Welcome home. Thank Glad you. Glad to hear your voice this morning. Thank you. I listened to you this morning, Sid, and man, oh, man, are you right on the pulse. I mean, when you're talking about being over in Europe – about how different things are about you being able to go into the subways there and the cleanliness, and the it, it's so totally different than the toilet bowl of New York City, and it's becoming the toilet bowl of America, and it's just, it's scary. I think about it. I had an operation on Friday. It was supposed to be one hour. It turned into four hours, and I was awake, and I had a lot of time. Well, you're okay,
0: Bo. You're okay, right?
14: Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Everything's cool. Everything's cool. But the, the basically what I wanted to say was that I had a lot of time to think. And all I was thinking about is, you know, what direction we're going. And it comes down to one thing. When you look at leadership and when you look at how we're being laughed at across this country, when you got a President Biden who is a complete Moron, fool, and then you got the laughing hyena uh, uh, vice president. Now let's just look real quickly. We'll go through the cabinet very quickly. <laughs> These are the people that are running the greatest country in the world, America. Kamala Harris. She's all she does is laugh and all that. We know that. Then we got Anthony Blinken, who meets with the Chinese. Remember when he met over in Alaska and they laughed at the guy? The guy sits there. He has no balls on him, and he's our he's our Secretary of State. Right. Then you got Janet yelling i think she found a question into some doors around the white house she <laughs> walked in circles then you got lloyd austin this with all respect to his military god bless him i think it's over for him when he let that 80 billion dollars of our weaponry stay in afghanistan and then our 12 american soldiers got killed a lot of people don't there's a lot more to this thing there's hundred thousand of afghans who helped us In Afghanistan, their families are being mutilated, raped, and killed over there, and we left them behind. Then you got the attorney general. You got this Merrick Garland. He's a complete political democratic control idiot who controls the FBI in selective enforcement. Then you got the other little fool with the bald head, Alejandro Moyocos. He's the secretary of Homeland Security. He goes, we have no problem on the border. Where is this idiot coming from? Then you got Pete Buttigieg, who all of a sudden had a baby. Is he still on maternity leave? He was a (laughs) mayor of a small town of about 50 people. Now he's running the transportation. Then you got, here's the secret sauce. Here's the secret sauce. Susan Rice. Where did Susan Rice come from? She was in the Obama White House. She is now the – do you know what her title is? She's the director of democratic policy, the director. I think she's also on the Black Lives Matter. She sits on the council of, of Black Lives Matter also. This is how our country's being directed, and our weakness, did. You, you You articulated it so well, and by the
0: way, you, you forgot you forgot one guy because that was just a brilliant, not good yeah. boat but brilliant Rand, but one of the major stories today are all these leaks coming from the Pentagon, and that's where that moron John Kirby is in charge.
14: Well you know, and now all of a sudden the leaks, the leaks are coming out, anything that comes out, but it would be all right for the Democrats to leak what they've been leaking all about. How about we set up a grand jury and find out where the hell did the leaks? You know, I've been with with law enforcement for a long time. Any information, grand juries are secretive. A fat boy, what's his name? D.A. Fat Boy, yeah. You know, we want to find out how these leaks came out. And then all of a sudden, they come out. Well, this should be investigated. A grand jury is a secret thing. And all this information comes out when he's going to get indicted. It's just horrible. And right now, our military readiness, China knows it. And Russia knows it. We're weak. Our munitions are down. You know, it reminds me of Sid. It reminds me of this this, this kid. Well, let's use him for example. Alexander Soros. He looks like Fredo there. That's George Soros, the son <laughs> yeah. that goes into the White House like a dozen times. He sits with uh, uh, snaggo-tooth there, Nancy Pelosi. He sits. I don't understand one thing. I was just checking this out. He meets with all these staff and all the advisors to the presidents on national security what is this liberal piece of garbage meeting with all these heads of national security he's a little rich punk whose daddy should take the pipes now he's 92 (laughs) years old go back bury him in hungry this communist i can't curse this communist son of a gun all i can say is he's the one that's been destroying all our district attorneys All over this country, he's the one that's been putting all these liberal value DAs that we're not able to prosecute. Why is he going into the White House meeting with John Fine, a national deputy security advisor? What clearance does this little punk have other than having a fat, pig father who's a billionaire? I want an investigation of George Soros and his little son. Paredo, Alexander. Oh, look at those glasses! I'm looking. at them right now. I'm looking at this picture. I can crack his face and break that nose right over that glass. <laughs> this it. little punk goes in and out of the White House. What right does he have to share national secrets? Does he have top secrets to build? Maybe the leaks are coming out with this little punk. You know about this guy, Sid?
0: I know all about him. The New York Post did a whole exposé on him on Sunday, talking about like you just talked about. Because Al Sharpton has that type of clearance, too. But this clearance that Soros' kid has and sitting in on some of these major meetings. So, yes, it was he was exposed in the New York Post on Sunday. And you're right, Bo. You should be, you should be, and every American should be like you, outraged over this. This is unacceptable. Unacceptable
14: right. He's not an elected official. He has not gone through any clearance. We know his father's a friggin' fat commie, a 92-year-old pig, porky pig, and that's what his father is. 92, he's still breathing in the air. Hey, take the pipe, George, and take your son with you. This is the family that has decided to take our American freedoms away. The Soros family, all he cares about is disruption. He supports BLM, he supports Antifa. A- a- this is this garbage can. What do we say? Where's the attorney general? Investigate this family, this Soros family. And then on top of it, all of a sudden in our city. Oh, what's going on in our city? I think we're going to be up to $10 billion now with these illegal immigrants. All we got to do is give them housing, food. Now we got to educate them. This is what's going on right now. And in New York, this piece of garbage, and I'll call her a piece of garbage. She's a Supreme Court judge. She came up a few times. Nasty Simjai. Nasty Simjai. A new story every week. This is when she released the guy who killed his stepson, strangled him to death. You know what she looks like? She's got a bald head. She's got a toupee that's glued on top, and she's a judge. And all of a sudden, she's releasing all these criminals. She's a piece of garbage. Where is the mayor? Where is the governor stepping in for for these fool judges that are not doing their job? Oh my God! And then, the, and then the, now they throw now they throw some crumbs to the cops. Oh, the cops are going to make fifty three thousand dollars a year. Oh, really? That they dollars a year. This, these cops could be making $150,000 a year. What they have to put up with in this city. And where is the support for the guys? Oh, they're getting too much. Oh, they're getting raised. You know, you know what my pension is? I'll tell everybody. My pension. And no, famous Bo Dino, famous detective, number one, I didn't get three quarters tax-free. You know why? I didn't want to play the game. I may have a broken leg there with a plate there, but I didn't want to play the game, so I put my papers. I said, I'm not going on life duty. I put my favorites. I lost millions of dollars in tax-free money, but I'm not that kind of guy. Give it to someone that really deserves it. And today, my pension is $26,000 a year tax. So what do you want to do with that pension? (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> are you, I ain't going to get it done, not in New York City, not even yeah. for a week. <laughs> I mean,
14: come on. Well, well, my point is everybody thinks, oh, the cops, the firemen, they got such great pension. And we, and the cost of living is, is defunctation. But a lot of people don't know. You get taxed. I got out on half, half pay. And it's taxed, regular tax. So everybody that's crying about city jobs and all that, that was one of the reasons years ago people took City Job for the pensions and all that, and now we have medical. And, but the, the reality is, people are pissing them on. I had some woman at some wedding telling me how oh, cops make too much money. Make too much money, they're out Please. there putting their lives on. You tell the right. family of that cop that got shot in the hip, you're making too much money when he's fighting with the guy. This is disgusting. And where was our mayor? Where was our mayor? I'm getting a little bit perturbed. Yep. A little perturbed. Me I too. texted him, I texted him a half a dozen times. Did have you heard from him? No, and I'm right
0: with you there. I mean, no one has tried harder than me in this city. I mean, he, you know, I like him personally, but his, you know, his philosophies, his policies, just about complete opposite of almost all of mine. We developed this nice friendship, but I am also at that point where I need to get a lot more from Mayor Eric Adams. I mean a lot more. The last couple of weeks, he's disappointed me more than once. I'm on your side with that 100%.
14: What you say, Sid? You are really the voice of America now. Please, please bring all these things out, and everybody just think about how weak we are. And you know what? We're not going to have a dollar soon. We're going to have yens or yangs or something
0: (laughs) like that. There he is, folks. And I know, I know, because I get all the feedback that this is one of your favorite segments of the week, and. Man, Bo Deedle at 7.40 every Tuesday morning. And also, mind you, live in studio at 9.05 every Thursday morning. To me, just to me, Bo Deedle is the voice of New York. He really is. He cares. That is not an act. He cares. Bo Deedle, love you, man. That's a great job. Hey, by the way, I played that cut before Bo came on of Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir in tears. Two of his friends were killed in that bank shooting in Louisville yesterday. And I said, that's the difference between Democrats and Republicans. Democrats go right to gun control right away. This governor talked about loving each other, hugging each other. We'll talk about gun control later. You know what's great about that story? Andy Bashir? he's a Democrat, not even a Republican. He's a Democrat. There's not a lot of common-sense Democrats. I know John katz he loves talking about common-sense Democrats. And I love John. They don't exist. They don't this guy Andy Bashir may be one of them. We'll take a short break. Hour three of New York's favorite talk show, Sitting Friends in the Morning, coming right back. I see you next morning,
8: just like
1: you. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Oh, you're my best Boy, this is Is Sid and Friends in the Morning. From our friends. Friends. 77 WABC. It's
10: always great to be on with you, Sid. You educate New Yorkers better than anybody, so thanks.
0: Better on a hot spring slash summer day than Richard Marks and Angel Leah. 808 on your beautiful Tuesday in New York, hour number three of New York's favorite talk show. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, 77 WABC. Big show tomorrow again, Liz Pipko back in studio, but we've got Congressman Peter King stopping by, Jeff Smulian, Mr. Emmis himself. He created WFAN, Don I Miss Mike and the Mad Dog, amongst many, many other big deals. And Eric Trump, big one, coming up tomorrow morning at 8.40. The son of Donald will be in town tomorrow night, Eric Trump. That's all tomorrow. And uh, coming up today, after two great appearances by Brian Kilmeade and Bodito, Dito, still a calm author Idola John Stossel, and the Hall of Fame voice of the Knicks, my dear friend Mike Breen. You know, my guy Sean Spicer is out at Newsmax. I don't know if he quit or they fired him. I don't know. I think Carl Higby's going to replace him. But Sean Spicer... He's a free agent. He used to be the, what is that person called?
4: White House Press Secretary. That's
0: right. He'll have
4: a a show here in about a couple weeks. Oh, there's
0: no doubt about it. Right? The first thing I thought of when I saw Spicer is out, is he going to be here? Right?
4: No question about it. Might as well. Might as well? You got Curtis for like a million hours on the weekend.
0: Yeah, he does have a lot of hours. But.
4: Ah, but they keep taking they keep taking more and more away from him. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Thank God I'd put him on three days where he could probably kill
0: himself. So. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was funny. This morning I, I lost my train of thought. It was very, the very top of the show. And I was talking about laying in bed with Danielle and the sun coming down and watching HGTV. We love that station because my house is being rebuilt. And I texted Chad Lopez. Love Chad. Stephanie Bongiorno. Love her and Doug Kessler, love him, and I said, "Listen, the weather's getting nice. I get excited. I can't help myself." Today, 75 and sunny. Tomorrow, 80, partly sunny. Temperatures in the mid 80s on Thursday and Friday. I said, "You know, every summer, I watch uh, Elvis Duran do shows on the beach, you know, and I watched uh big Mike Francesa at Bar A every summer on the beach in Jersey and." I know even for the short time I was at the old building that uh Pettingill and Jade would do shows from the beach. So let me let me say, okay, that there there is no sexier, beachier radio host in the business than me. I mean, let's be honest, okay? Mike Francesa on the beach or me? I mean, come on. So and plus, you know, we we are speaking to a younger audience these days. I know we're still We're still up there in the demo. I get it. I get it. But if there's any show on this station, any, that speaks to a bit of a younger audience, it's us. I live on the beach. I love the beach. I'm tan all year round. Every one of these restaurants in New York City and New Jersey, when I walk in, it's like McCartney. I know it sounds douchey, but I'm being honest. It just is. So you got to tell me how you can't get eight shows. Here's my proposal. Once a week. July and August, that's eight shows. You can't find eight different bars between the Jersey Shore, the Hamptons, Fire Island. I tell you what, you do a couple of shows on Coney Island. Do them outside of Ocean Drive, those beautiful John Kaczmatini's apartments. Why not? Do the show, and then uh, people can come look at the apartments, and then we can walk down the block, spend the day at the amusement park. So Louis on the cyclone.
5: That's better than McCartney would do for you. He probably. Was damn Louis right. Louis would love this. I would love that. Yes. So I said Just I want to call it.
0: I want to call it the Summer of Sid. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I want to take the show to the beach once a week for the whole summer.
4: I was taking the idea very seriously until you said Summer of Sid. Yeah, yeah. Well, That's I so was it. thinking. You know, I, yeah.
0: I like that movie. The, the Summer of Sam or something with John Leguizamo, who's coming on the show in two weeks. And um, Mira Sorvino. Remember, it was about the uh, the 44 caliber killer, Berkowitz. So I copied that, the summer of Sid. But anyway, it's a no-brainer. And the thing is, if you don't start it now in April, it never happens. Because you get to June, they're like, well, great idea. Why tell me now? So, Glenn, I know you're listening. Leslie, I know you're listening. Chad, I know you're listening.
5: Let's do it. Summer of Sid. SOS on the T-shirt. That's pr- damn that's right. Great.
4: That works. Throw right. you out in like a tight tank top and a speedo. Well, I'm not, not going to do that. No, oh. right. no. On a
5: boat with the, one of those SOS things that save your life. You I could see Louie
0: out there and playing all the music like a DJ with like, all that white zinc all over his face. Like, on
5: it. My nose. Your do it, nose. Every, you do it every, every
4: every Friday for two months. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, every Friday there. for
5: two months. You got to do eight you know? shows. That'd be that would be be Well, that's my idea. Okay. Let's see uh, my, my, but
0: my idea also is to do the show this Monday live from Boston, where they paper nothing at this station. I'm going to drive there. I'm getting hotel rooms from Joseph Abood. All they got to do is they paper the radio. That's it.
4: Yeah, he called me about it uh, after the show yesterday. Well, to
0: make, it's, it's the 10-year commemoration of the bombings in Boston. That was one of the most tragic days, certainly in my lifetime. I mean, it's not 9-11. I get it. But it's one of those days you're never going to forget. And they got a Red Sox game that day. It's Patriots Day. It makes sense for us to be there. But uh, all these things, the ideas are out there, and nobody gets back to me, so we'll see. Doug got back to me. That was it. Uh, The big story, of course, last night was the shooting at the bank in Louisville. What are you going to say? The kid was pissed, 25-year-old guy. The bank was about to fire him, so he killed a bunch of people. He used a rifle, not an AR-15. Maybe that's why the Dems aren't yelling and screaming about Weaponry this morning, I don't know. But I played this twice already, and it's worth playing once more. The Democrat governor, not Republican, the Democrat governor in Kentucky who lost two of his friends. They died at this bank yesterday. He talked about emotion, hugging people. He didn't talk about gun control and all that nonsense. This is Andy Bashir Lewis, cut number 16, Democrat governor from Kentucky.
7: This is awful. I have a very close friend that didn't make it today. And I have another close friend who didn't either, and one who's at the hospital that I hope is going to make it through. So when we talk about praying, I hope people will. For those that we are hoping can make it through the surgeries that they're going through, and then we've got to do what we have done these last three years after everything. We've got to wrap our arms around these families. And to everybody who needs it, don't be afraid to get some help. So tomorrow, every Wednesday, of course, we do the Tunnel to Towers
0: update on this show. Frank Siller, who's become a dear friend. This is a great job by Leslie Slender. I know she's listening right now. Yes, Jersey Shore works great for me. So uh, Frank Siller comes on every Wednesday with a Tunnel to Towers update. And one of the things, to this day, I'll never forget, never forget about 9-11 was the brave cops, firemen to Port Authority workers, all of them, that ran into those buildings, climbed up the stairs, knowing full well those buildings were going to come down. They weren't going to make it. They still ran it. So yesterday at this shooting in Louisville, there's a 26-year-old rookie cop and I made these points earlier before I introduced Bo Deedle, who spent the better part of two decades as one of the most, the most heroic cops in the history of New York. There's some older guy who walks around the station all the time. I don't know who he is. He's got gray hair. He's an elderly gentleman. Seemingly nice man, but every time he sees me, he has to remind me that Bo Deedle was a cop for 15 years, not 30. He's the most annoying son of a gun ever. Don't know who the guy is. He must be offended, of John's. I don't know. But Bo was a hero. Those cops, 9 11 heroes and this 26 year old officer in louisville yesterday what did he do he ran towards listen he ran towards the gunman i know uvaldi was ugly i know those cops failed they were scared they were scared they're human beings they were scared nine times out of ten cops don't do that they do what this kid did in louisville yesterday now there's 26 year old rookie cop is fighting for his life this morning and may very well turn out to be the sixth person to succumb to this shooter's rampage yesterday. The Louisville PD chief talked about this rookie officer last night, Lou Rafino, This is cut number 14.
6: The officer who is in critical condition today, Officer Nicholas Wilt, 26 years of age, just graduated from the police academy on march 31st i just swore him in and his family was there to witness his journey to become a police officer he was struck in the head engaged in this incident nick has come out of brain surgery and is in critical but stable condition as we speak
0: prayers from this whole show one. All of New York and all of America for this young police officer in Louisville. God, please help him. One of the stories we covered yesterday with Gordon Chang, who's a tremendous guest, is the latest conflict between China and Taiwan. Over 70 planes and 11 warships Chinese had centered in and around Taiwan yesterday. This is the second time they've done that. Don't forget when Nancy Pelosi visited Taiwan a couple of months ago. China made a move, but this one, if the Kevin McCarthy met with the president of Taiwan in California, they made a major move, and now it looks like it's not if, it's when China goes into Taiwan. So former Secretary of State Trump's guy, and a guy I think that's running for president in 2024, Mike Pompeo, he was on Fox News yesterday talking about the policy, how it's failed, and how China-Taiwan now is a real possibility. This would be Mike Pompeo Lewis, cut number five.
15: I don't view foreign policy as an opening. I view it as central to the way of the way that we all live here and how our kids and grandkids are going to live. I uh, try to keep politics out of it when it comes to the things that matter to our security here in America. Uh, we'll have plenty of time to have that debate. Today is the moment to make sure that America gets this right, and the Biden administration has simply failed us all.
0: Every time, every time the Biden administration fails us all. In this cut number six, he talks specifically about China and Taiwan. Once again, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo.
15: The United States should behave with reciprocity. We should demand that the Chinese Communist Party conform uh, to international rules in the South China Sea and not claim it all for their own like it's one big Chinese lake. Uh, These are the simple things we can do. And when you do that, Sandra, in the end, this is about deterrence. You have to convince the Chinese Communist Party that there are real costs for their bad behavior. And if they don't believe that, if they if I hear a president who says, gosh, a minor incursion into Europe might be OK, or they see a president abandon Afghanistan where we get 13 Americans killed, those are the those are provocative. Those are those are the kinds of things that Ch- Chinese leadership will see as appeasing. And it puts American lives at risk.
0: One more from Pompeo, if you expect the United States to treat the Taiwanese like we have the Ukrainians, which is blank check, whatever you want, Zelensky, we're, we're in this till the end, all that nonsense. Yes, Pete King, I said nonsense. Mike Pompeo says it shouldn't go that way. Cut number seven.
15: The task for the United States is to protect the things that matter to Americans, and make no mistake about it, uh, the, the business and industry that sit on the island of Taiwan, which should be recognized as a sovereign nation, uh, is essential to American commerce. We need to make sure that we're doing everything we can to provide Taiwan with the tools its needs, Contrast that with what the Biden administration has done in Ukraine, where they've allowed this war to linger on. We should demand that the Chinese Communist Party stop this silliness. It wasn't Kevin McCarthy's meeting that caused them to do this. This is just a meeting between two people. Uh, This was an excuse to continue to constrict Taiwan's ability to operate as an independent entity that it has operated at for the last decades.
0: He just nailed it, an excuse, much like the 13 dead soldiers in, ex- in Afghanistan, an excuse for Putin to start the war in Ukraine. Nonsense. The day Biden won was the day Putin decided, I'm going in. Once again, a matter of when, not if. And finally, Lindsey Graham on Fox News. Good old Lindsey. If we don't you know, step it up here, folks, World War III is right around the corner. Lindsey Graham Lewis, cut number eight.
2: Well, nobody wants a World War III, but what kind of world do you want to live in? Do you want to live in a world where a, uh, uh, an island called Taiwan could be taken by China? Ninety percent of the high-end chips are made in Taiwan. They'd have a monopoly on the digital economy. Do you just want to let Putin take whatever he wants in Europe? I don't want to live in that kind of world. There's no reason for this. Listen, I believe in a one-China policy, but I would be willing to fight for Taiwan. Because Taiwan is a democracy. We've stood with them for decades. So Taiwan's not the problem. Lindsey Graham's not the problem. It's Putin and his Xi. So what would I do to deter a blockade? I'd let the Chinese know if you blockade Taiwan, you're going to have a hard time getting oil from the Mideast. I would increase training and give the F-16s they need in in Taiwan. There's a backlog. I would solve that backlog. I would move more forces to South Korea and Japan. I would put uh, nuclear-tipped cruise missiles in all of our submarines all over the world, like the Russians did uh, when they got out of the nuclear Treaty and uh, started using cruise missiles, nuclear tip. That's what Reagan did uh, in the Cold War. So I would up our game. And if you don't up your game now, you are going to have a war.
0: There you have it, folks. Lindsey Graham. I don't know. He talked about me. I get very, very aroused. You, Justin? What about him? Three more big guys still to come your way this morning. Great defense attorney, Arthur Idalla. He'll be here at 840. He's a great guest. 9.05. used to be on 2020, Good Morning America. Had his own shows on Fox Business, Fox News. Now he has his own station. It's called John Stossel TV. He wrote a great op-ed piece about Donald Trump Sunday, Easter Sunday, in the New York Post. John Stossel makes his debut on this show. And then at 9.25, the Hall of Fame voice of the New York Knicks. And, the, of course, the voice of the NBA Finals as well, the great Mike Breen as the Knicks. They're ready to start their postseason Saturday in Cleveland against the Cavaliers. Idala, Stasso, Breen, and Gnome's Nuggets still to come. Richard Marks, Angelia, on a gorgeous Tuesday in New York City.
8: What you want.
1: and WABC This is Sit and Friends in the Morning No, I get by with a little help from my friends <laughs>
0: What a good one about to start right here again. Brian Kilmeade and Bo great earlier. We're gonna go from Gnome's Nuggets to famous defense attorney Arthur Idala to John Stossel, big deal on Channel 7 for so many years. Great op ed piece from the Post on Sunday to Mike Green, the Hall of Fame voice of the Knicks. All that still to come. I did mention yesterday a very dear friend of mine, very popular guy here in New York. Everybody loves this guy, Brooklyn. Howard Beach, Williamsburg, New York City. They all know him. And that's my friend Charlie Marino. And uh, Charlie lost his sister. I believe she was 57. Loretta, Loretta Ortiz. She died uh, April the 7th. She's going to have a memorial service. She lived in Texas. So her memorial service and her burial, Wednesday the service, Thursday the burial, will be in San Antonio, Texas. But uh, Charlie, I want you to know that All of us here on this program, me, Danielle, Ava, and Gabe, we love you. We are very, very sorry for your loss, and I hope that um, Loretta rests in peace, and you can find some comfort in my love and condolence this morning. With that said, uh, here he is with his nuggets, and I think I told you this, and my wife, Danielle, who's a very serious critic. Like, if you think I'm bad because I think everybody else sucks, you know that. She's worse. She's worse. And I showed you the text she sent me gnome about a week ago, where she admitted that your little gnome nugget piece every morning is one of the best parts, if not the best part, of the show. Oh wow! Yeah, you did show me that. So she
12: still thinks so because I, you know, like one. No, now she hates you. Yeah, okay. Of course, she still thinks so.
0: (laughs) She thinks they're funny. Oh, good. They're educated sometimes, you know, you bring up stuff we just don't know. Right. She loves your voice.
12: I taught you yesterday about freezing your head or your body. You did do that, yes.
0: Uh, it was brilliant. Yeah, $200,000. Yeah. yeah. I think Joe Abu's going to do it. You think so? He just wants his head to be next to Ted Williams. <laughs> He's a big Red Sox fan. <laughs> right. He's got the cash. He can do it. But, uh, yes, that was a great, I mean, a million great pieces. I mean, yeah. Of course, um, the one piece she didn't love, to be honest.
12: Which one was that? The
0: prostitution piece at the Super Bowl. That got the most response. I know. That was the best piece. But don't forget, I covered like 18 Super Bowls. <laughs> and wives don't like it when their no. husbands go to other cities. <laughs> so she's like, really? Does that happen, Sydney?" I'm like, <laughs> I, no, I didn't know him talking about <laughs> it, not right. me. I made it up. Right. But uh, otherwise, you're brilliant. And what what do you got this
12: morning? Please? You know, did you have a favorite teacher growing up, like something, somebody you can think of right away?
0: My favorite teacher was a guy named Mr. Feldman, and he taught me Latin, and he was my chess coach at Polyprep. I had a teacher named Helen Carmody. I liked her as my science teacher, but she screwed me. And then uh, Mrs. Marcello. Wait, how'd she screw you? She failed me in science. Oh, all right. And Mrs. Marcello, I remember her because I bite my nails, you know. I have the most horrible nails you've ever seen. I mean, they're, they're disgusting. Uh, right, down to the, right down to the skin. And she actually put iodine on my fingers. <laughs> By the way, that it's right work. through the iodine and <laughs> the nail. Right. Yeah. But I guess Mr. Feldman was my favorite, I guess. Huh. Yeah. Well, I, I c- didn't have one of those, unfortunately. What was her name again? The one that banged her student and had like five kids. She's dead now. Yeah, uh, the one in Seattle. Mary, Mary Le- uh, Lake, Landro, yeah. yeah, I didn't have one of those. Yeah. Like all my teachers had moles and hair nets and you know Gosh. weighed like three hundred pounds.
12: I didn't have teachers look like Karen McDougal or Stormy Daniels, you know. Well, <laughs> that's good because I, I, you know, I could do a piece on honoring great teachers, but that'd be awfully boring. So over the last two weeks, there's been this incredible surge of stories about God awful teachers and the things they've done. And just when you think one teacher can top the other, they can't. So, like we'll start in orlando where this teacher was fired this week because uh, they were doing a um uh one of those active shooter drills that they do in schools now, right? Sure. right? Yeah. And so ahead of the active shooter drill, he had his students write their own obituaries just in case the shooting drill oh ended God. up being real are so, like, you serious <laughs> yes oh and so and the best part is he's a psychology teacher his name is jeffrey Keane. and um he was fired and he said he would do it all over again if they were to die 24 hours from now
14: what would they do differently than they did oh, come yesterday on. and show them what's important in their world it wasn't to say you're going to die and 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 let's let's just you know let's just stress you out i put a disclaimer on the bottom of the on the last one i said this is in no way to upset you or Yeah,
8: okay. Is
0: this serious? Yeah. I'm sorry, where was this again? Orlando.
14: Orlando. Yeah. Sick
12: people there. Here's another thing. This story happens. I can't tell you how many times I've covered this same story over the years, and nobody ever learns. If you're doing a lesson on slavery don't bring all the black kids in the class to the front of the classroom and have them sit on the floor and then bring all the white students to the front of the class <laughs> and have them bid on those black students. It just doesn't look good. What? I know that's what it was like back in the slavery. What are you days. talking about? Yes. This is a lesson on slavery. It I can't. I, I I Googled this. I found ten different examples of this over the last two years. Where a uh, couple of them were local teachers, by the way, who did the slavery exercise. Now this latest teacher,
6: she's out of a job. It boggles my mind, and we're not being sensitive to people's feelings. How dare people, you know? And I don't think I could wrap my head around it if I tried.
12: Yeah. Okay. So if you're doing a slavery lesson. Just just teach slavery. You
0: yeah, know? How about wrapping your
12: head against like the nearest? I don't know. What <laughs> cement wall? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what is going on with these people? Well, down in Georgia, Cobb County, Georgia. This one is not as shocking as the other ones, because I think it probably happens. But uh, his uh, this teacher, Jason Hammond, Mr. Hammett, well-liked teacher in his school, always brought... A clear 7-up bottle to class every day, and then now they find out that that 7-up bottle for the last couple of years was filled with whiskey. That's right. not okay. Yeah, it's not and okay. And anybody
7: thinks that okay and that he shouldn't be reprimanded for it, obviously they do things like that themselves. It's pretty upsetting. Your position in life is very great, like very
12: important to be a teacher, especially, especially at a high school. Yeah, now again, these are all. <laughs> This is on so the last weather. couple of Probably
0: weeks. vodka, not whiskey, because it was a clear liquid. But so far, you've given us three examples of teachers who want little kids to write their own obituaries. Right. Uh, a lady that wants white kids beating up black kids to actually show what slavery was like. Exactly. And a guy that drinks vodka
12: in class. Okay, I can top. And then
0: we want to know why the Chinese are kicking our ass. <laughs> <laughs> I can top all
12: of those with this last one. No, 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 you can't, please. Yeah. Oh, my God. So 41-year-old fifth-grade teacher in Indiana making $51,000 a year. She finds herself suddenly single mom. And she says, I'm, I'm not making it on that $51,000 a year. So here's what she does.
2: And about five years ago, I became a single mom to
4: twins. I have twins. I was constantly working some sort of side hustle to make ends meet. And um, about uh, six months ago or last spring, there was a friend on Facebook who had started an OnlyFans and she had made like $10,000 that month. I could really get out of this poverty cycle. I
12: yeah, so Sarah Seals opened up an OnlyFans page. You know what's funny? You know, mm-hmm. you said you're going to top it with this one. Right. I find this one to be the
0: least
2: offensive. offensive of
0: all of them. I mean, the truth is, it is out there. People do do it. She clearly needs some money. She's got two kids and no husband. She's not hurting anybody. So for me, you know, you act out slavery. You have kids right there. Death the ticket. These types of things, to me, a heck of a lot worse. If you're a female out there trying to, you know... To, feed your family, and you can make money doing that because degenerates like you quite frankly
12: know them are going to buy it.
0: i got no <laughs> issue with that. So wait,
12: guess how much she made in her first month. I'm going to go first month she made $25,000. That's pretty close. She made $17,000 in her first month only, fans. This isn't somebody who was a teacher. By the way, you, you don't even make $17,000 a month here. <laughs> I don't think so, no. So why wouldn't you do something like that? Maybe this? I will. <laughs> You're handsome, <my> man. <laughs> uh, so anyway, as you might guess, the school found out, they didn't think it was appropriate, so I don't know how someone happened upon uh, it, and she's out know.
8: of a job.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess you can fire her for that. I guess you can. But in terms of me being angry... Find her to be the least offensive. Yeah, right I before. might agree with you on that. Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> uh, that was another great report. This is Don't why Danielle it. says this is a great segment every day. Every day. Danielle is correct. She yeah. is correct. <laughs> Danielle's correct. Way to go. I like that. Uh, we got uh, a run of three great guests in a row about to come your way. Author Dollar John Stossel and Hall of Famer Mike Breen. Three in a row.
1: Talk Radio 77. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
15: Friends. So we didn't make any motions
10: yet. We just got the, the documents. We're still waiting for the evidence. We'll make motions over time, including motions to dismiss, misconduct, selective prosecution, um, all a host of things. I mean, when you say selective prosecution, look at the example I just gave you, where there's a real mis-
14: mislabeling of entries.
0: That was my man, Joseph Takapina, on this show yesterday, the first interview he told me he did post the Trump arraignment. Talked about a bunch of things. It was cool to have Tak on because I asked him about Trump's mood. He was with him last Monday night and last Tuesday. That's why two of our guests tomorrow are going to be great. Elizabeth Pipko back in studio, but Trump's son, Eric Trump, will join me at 8.40 tomorrow. And he came to New York on that trip. So, a lot of insight from Joe Tacopina yesterday. The motions about to come your way after the evidence is done being read. Last week, both Monday and Tuesday, Arthur Idala joined me, and he was great. Artie was a regular on the show for a long time, and I want to make that happen again because he's a terrific radio guest, and he's a dear friend. He's my attorney, actually. Tacopina's is not my attorney. Arthur Idala is. So, here he is making his third visit in a week. Artie Idala. Mr. Counsel, Captain, how are you? What's
16: happening? What's happening? First of all, I am glad you had a great trip and you got to spend some time with your beautiful daughter. Thank you. That's uh, that's the most important thing in life. Yes. Um, and you know it's funny because you talk about Tack being with Trump those two days, but after Takapina left Trump, he came to see me. Uh, Joe did not not the, not the president, but Joe did.
0: So he was no, so, so he was with you Monday night for dinner, and then he joined you again Tuesday after the Can arraignment.
16: Yeah, then we hung out Tuesday, like, later on that night. Yes, yes, yes. Because, you know, what was
0: funny is when you were on with me Tuesday morning and uh, the story broke that day that Trump aired an attorney and you and I were going back and forth, "Ah, you know, that's not nice and Trump's being disloyal, and at the same time you and I were talking, Tacopino was listening because he was driving to Trump Tower to to meet with Trump before their court uh, date that day, and Tacopino was pissed.
16: And I was like, Joe, 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 we're defending you, buddy. We're defending you. Yeah, no. He said, I'll, uh, let's be honest. He said to me, he goes, he goes, don't say I have thick skin. That means like this is a problem. This isn't a problem. And he's right. But Joe turned out to be correct. It, I mean, it really wasn't a problem. I met this uh, younger lawyer, uh, Todd, and uh, he's a very nice guy. And I mean, he real that guy's really taking a risk. I mean, Joe, look, Joe's got a, law, a small law firm. It's like three of them, uh, you know, and a secretary. And, you know, Joe runs his own shop. This guy left a very big job since. I mean, really, he had a big job. Pat a older, it's a big firm, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was making a I, – I don't know this, but typically when you're a partner at a firm like that, you're making a seven-figure salary. Um, and, you know, and it's constant. You know, this is – let's just say he's getting the same amount from, from President Trump. That's one case. Um, and people who have worked in the Donald Trump administration – I haven't done so great uh, outside in the regular world because, you know, these people who are wimps, they're afraid, oh, I don't know, oh, Donald Trump, it's a third rail, it's et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to go near him. So Todd is taking, a, a you know, a big risk. But what was interesting, since we're always honest, is what happened is this. I represent the court officers' union, so I know all of the guys there at the, the day of the arraignment. And I, uh, I it's also the same exact crew that did the Harvey Weinstein case. The same major, the same captain, the same lieutenant. They're giving me a hard time. I didn't bring them any Italian bread because I used to bring <laughs> in trial. Italian bread and mozzarella from 13th Avenue. And so when when the president leaves and the, the, the motorcade pulls out and Takapina and Susan Necklace and Todd come out, Everyone's behind these barricades except me. Right. So I walk right over to Joe <laughs> yeah. and and Susan, and I start chit chatting with them. I wanted the first thing I wanted to know is what took them so long because they were in there a very long time for an arraignment. Um, How long were they in there for?
0: How long were they there for?
16: Like an hour. Like an hour. And, and, so and ordinarily, they,
0: like, those arraignments and should take about fifteen minutes, right?
16: Right. Exactly. So, but what happened was there was a lawyer there representing all of the media outlets, and they were arguing with the judge that they wanted more access. They wanted live video. They wanted uh, cameras during the whole event, not just the, the two minutes that the judge gave them. So that took a hunk of time. But then I said to Joe and Susan, who I knew, I just met Todd right there. I said, what's what's in the indictment? And they both laughed.
0: Yeah, I want to get to that what's right you now. But first, first of all, you should be part of this. If it's a real dream team, then uh, Necklace, Todd, Takapina, and I. I know Trump called you... Uh, before, months and months ago, about something else, and you didn't take the case. So I know there's already history between you and the former president, but you should be on this team. But regardless, yes, uh, I spoke to Takapina about it yesterday. You and I talked about it two days last week. There was a little, very minor, very minor, but a little concern from the Trump supporter that maybe Alvin Bragg had something in that indictment that was really going to put the president's feet to the fire. And as it turns out, there was nothing.
16: Nothing. And and I mean, to see Joe and Susan smile, we're holding the the document in their hand. They're like, there's nothing here, especially Susan. I mean, you know, Joe and you and I and, you know, like because of our longstanding relationship, sometimes we lose a little bit of credibility, which she does, <laughs> we're, always goofing, we're always goofing around. Yeah. But Susan Necklace is a real lawyer. I mean, she's a very, very excellent attorney. And for her to say, Arnie, there's nothing here. It is nothing here that the i think she said that she used the term like he's experimenting with the law meaning alvin bragg Like he's trying to create something almost like a chemist in a lab like if we mix a little bit of this and a little bit of that maybe this will come out of it but let's see and that's kind of what's happening here. it's mm. never been done before and uh you know that this the crazy part for me as someone who's been part of the system for so long is if they do it here under these circumstances there's really nothing stopping them from doing it anywhere under any circumstances. And that's, that's that's what makes you nervous. No, that's
0: why, my, my whether it's family or, and I keep bringing up this girl, Beth, I'm not going to say her last name again. She's an upstate New York in my mother's community. She's a moron because I know she hates Trump, and for whatever reason, she's, again, she's a Jewish lady living a white, pristine life in Kanyanga Lake in Long Island. She doesn't even know why she hates this president. She's so stupid. But uh, to rejoice in this, whether you hate Trump or not, is really idiotic. It is a dangerous precedent to set, to set I should say, in this democracy.
16: I I, like I listen. I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, here's just so people understand when you get handed an indictment, it is supposed to be in any case. It's supposed to be like crystal clear what when something happened, how it happened and what the exact crime is. It's not supposed to give you all the details, but it's supposed to give you a pretty big idea of what's going on. In other words, on January 1st, 2003, at the location of 48th Street and 3rd Avenue, Stitt Rosenberg, went into Smith & Walensky, took a stake, and the stake costs more than $100, and he's being charged with grand larceny in the fifth degree. Like, you understand it. This, this document comes out, and my law partner, Judge Barry Cummins, who's known as a legal scholar, writes books, writes columns for the Law Journal. He had to sit down at his desk with, like, law books, trying to figure out, what this indictment really means, which is, if a guy of that caliber can't figure this thing out, it just shows you it's yeah. it's like a made-up document that really I don't know I don't know what Alvin Bragg is thinking. Is it someone put pressure on him to derail Trump a little bit? Is it him thinking? Well, if I go after him. I'll be the brave one, and then the guy in Georgia will go after him, and the guy in Florida will go after him. Is this my my way, Alvin Bragg's way, of becoming a United States Supreme Court justice? I, I don't know, but something doesn't make sense because he turned the case yep. down. Yep. Two federal prosecutors turned the case down, and he turned it up to sit in a courtroom, in a courthouse. When I sit there and I listen to guys who have two felonies, three felony convictions, uh, uh, we'll hear the people on bail. Your Honor, we, we consent to supervise release. Your Honor, we consent to release on our own reconnaissance. They're letting guys go. Look, I'm a criminal defense attorney. I usually, I want the judge to let guys go. But before anything, I'm a New Yorker, and I want to be in the safest city in the world. And to hear his policies, it's in writing, the day one memo. Any of your listeners can just Google Alvin Bragg, day one memo. Read that memo, and look at what he did to President Trump, and it is night. Yeah.
0: No, no question. Well done there, Arthur Idala. By the way, the fun for President Trump just beginning. He's back in New York tomorrow night to once again meet with Letitia James on Thursday. He's got that uh, bogus 50-year-old rape case from Bergdorf Goodman with Tacopina the following week, and then we still have January 6th, Mar-a-Lago, and Georgia still to come. So poor Trump, his troubles are just starting. Hopefully he goes 6-0 and we move on from all this. Now, let's get to your client. Forget about uh, President Trump for a second. Will you explain to me why, uh, why that son of a bitch? I know you love him, but uh, I don't. Uh, got to fly first class from L.A. back to New York to go back to jail. What kind of garbage is that with Harvey Weinstein?
16: Okay. First, first of all, we, yep. got, we got to re- roll. We got to roll back. All right. With the word, the word love. Yep. So I had dinner last night with your friend Bruce Sharrett, who says he loves you. From driving with Poly Poly Prep, you, him, and Tacopina used to be in the cars. So well, no, you know that you know.
0: Actually, you're missing one guy. The carpool was actually Sidney Rosenberg, Joseph Tacopina, Bruce Tarrett, and a kid named George Small.
16: <laughs> yeah, I didn't know him. <laughs>
0: yeah, no. But I do <laughs> I love do Bruce. Love I do love Bruce. Yes.
16: But yeah. Well, I don't. You love Bruce, and Bruce loves you. I I don't love Harvey Weinstein. I I had an interesting experience representing him. But I, I love my client Rudy Giuliani. I love my client Alan Dershowitz. Uh, but but I don't put a Harvey in that in that category. I do feel very very sorry for him uh, on a lot of fronts. But he flew first class, not for Harvey, for the freaking guys who got a, who have to take him fly him cross cross country. They didn't say, oh Harvey, you get to fly first class. But the three or four agents who have to fly him from California back. They're the ones who uh, who decide. Believe me, Harvey's not buying any plane. Well, let
0: me ask you this though: But who pays for that? Who pays for Harvey well, Weinstein's? I,
16: I, well We we do. I mean, we. Pay,
0: I'm we not pay okay with that.
16: I, I I I I gotta fly coach to London. Why should Harvey Weinstein fly first class? <laughs> Listen, I'm flying coach to Italy to go see Springsteen. My friends are making fun of me. But you know how much a an upgraded ticket is to go to Rome? It's like $5,000. Oh, I, I know. I'm not know. doing that. I'll take two salmon drink of beer. I'll be sleeping the whole eight hours. You know, up. funny,
0: I, said, I tried thousand, to upgrade my seats. Me. I didn't realize that Danielle made the – it was British Airways, but she made it through American Airlines, so I couldn't upgrade my seats. I just wanted to go to business, not even first class. I couldn't do it. But forget about the first class seats. Harvey Weinstein flown back from L.A. to New York. I guess he's in a different jail What's going on with he's that case? he's
16: having he's having a little you know he's it's the hardest part about going to jail, and everyone all of my clients have told us is going to jail it's it, it's like that initial thing it's like day camp, it's like the first day of school it's like you know any other than the first what you you, you got well you've got to figure things out there's the fear of the unknown, who's the bully, who's the tough guy who's got access to food who's got access to the gym? Where am I going to sleep? When to take a shower? When not to take a shower? When can I use the phone? When can I not use the phone? That's all like those adjustments that you got to figure out when you're on the inside. So now he's in a brand new place. He he did not get sent back to the jail he was at after his uh, conviction. So now he's in a new jail and he doesn't know anything. He doesn't know anyone. And he's an old, he's a broken down old man. My major concern is I just want to make sure nobody does anything stupid to him, like, you know, tries to shank him or you know right. threatens him and you better give me money and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean look, you could call Harvey Weinstein the biggest dirtbag on the planet. That's fine. He got sentenced so harshly for what he did. It's been it there's no there's no one who's been sentenced that harshly. Yeah. Um and the judge who tried his case was not reappointed. to get... He got thrown off the bench because the trial was conducted in such a manner that was so against any defendants hmm. that the judge, they, they, the panel said, this guy shouldn't be a judge anymore. Wow. So, yeah. He's off the bench. He got, he, <laughs> he likes to say, he likes to say, I dollar retired. I got, I got retired. What do you mean you got retired? I dollar retired. <laughs> Cause I just, I ejected a billion times yeah. every day. Yeah. And when the committee read the record, they were like, okay, you got it. And Harvey's going to get his day in court in New York at the court of appeals in the fall but you know, look, he's not going anywhere because he got convicted in, in uh, California as yeah, well. So,
0: yeah, yeah. you got and another I seventeen. With, years. I
16: agree with Mo Deedle. that police officers you get paid one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. If a city councilman can get paid one hundred forty-five thousand, yeah. and all they do is sit there and cause trouble, then a police officer should get one hundred fifty thousand. By the way, your boy, boy Justin Brandon, your,
0: your boy Justin Brandon, probably makes a lot more than that. Telling you that right now. Your guy just why? Because,
16: why because he gets the the extra money because he's the head of the finance community?
0: Whatever he gets, it's it's, it's another that, that thing's over. My guy Michael Goose is gonna kick his ass and that's over. Your boy's out.
16: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to see Bruce tonight. I'm going tonight, UBS Arena.
0: <laughs> I'm going is... to see Bruce tonight, baby. <laughs> hey, by the way, right outside the UBS Arena, the entrance to the course County Expressway. Is a huge billboard of me. <laughs> really? Yeah, I swear to God. I'll take a
14: selfie. i Yeah, make
0: sure guy. you do that. And then a, when is the show in Italy with Bruce? When is that?
14: Uh,
16: May 18th and May 21st. I'm going to see him twice in Italy.
0: Awesome. Hey, listen, you've been great. Uh, and uh, keep coming back, man. I think you're a tremendous guest. I love you. Great time, Arthur Idala. Thank you so I'll, much. Give Danielle a kiss for me. You got it. I will. You, uh, what a great guy. Artie Idala. God, I love him. That wraps up Three hours. What a show, folks. Brian Kilmeade, Bo Giedel, Arthur Idala. What an exciting 9 o'clock hour to come your way. John Stassel and the Hall of Fame voice of the New York Knicks as the NBA playoffs start tonight. My dear friend Mike Green, hour number four, coming right at you.
1: Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC.
0: love this song love so beautiful one of the most disturbing movies I've ever seen John Stossel is set to join us now then one of my dearest friends on earth the hall of fame voice of the Knicks in the NBA finals Mike Breen will join us We have both Breen and Ian Eagle this week with the Knicks and Nets both in the playoffs but uh, Eagle will be on Friday so one of the most disturbing movies I've ever seen This song was a major part of it.
5: You have any idea what it is, Lewis? Uh, Let me guess. Blue Velvet. Blue Velvet. Is that it? I got to tell you.
0: Talk about disturbing. Correct me if I'm wrong. Dennis Hopper. Yeah. uh, uh, The Italian lady. um, Uh,
5: Isabella Russell. Yes.
0: Very disturbing film. Great movie. That was it? No, it was the wrong answer, though. Oh. But it was a very disturbing and great film. Okay.
5: I I love that. I think that was a disturbing. I think think every movie Dennis Hopper made was disturbing. Uh, Hoosiers? He played a drunk. Yeah, he was he was disturbing. That and then when
0: he sat with Christopher Walken, and uh, what was that movie where he he, he compared uh, black people to Sicilians? And then walk oh, and kill, um, yeah, two romance, two romance.
5: Yes. Oh, true romance. <laughs> yeah, He crazy. was a psycho was in that, too. Oh, he was also a psycho in the, uh, in speed. A, a psycho but in right, speed. He was blowing up. He was uh, the bad guy. Yeah. But right, I guess put, Keanu Reeves is the guy that stopped Yeah, he was putting him. bombs on that. Is he the, dead? We're talking he was. Well, it? I don't know. He was not part of the monkeys, so he might <laughs> be alive. <laughs> yeah. All the monkeys are dead. You should know
0: that. You're a radio host. Oh, you shouldn't, jackass. I should have known. Well, I, I did know that, um, that Davy Jones was dead, but. Peter Tork and Mike Nesmith, are you kidding me? Dennis Hopper is dead. He is dead, okay. About, I mean, uh, yeah. 10, I, I haven't seen him for a while. Yeah, no, All he right. hasn't been around. Alec is uh, working on Stossel. What a, a great uh, week of guests we have ahead. We've got a great show already today with Brian Kilmeade, Bo Dietl, Arthur Idala. Coming up tomorrow, Liz Pipko back in studio. We love her. Peter King, the great congressman. Jeff Smolian, Mr. Emmis himself. He started WFAN. Jeff Smolian the guy that, uh, along with Dan Mason, responsible for Don Imus, Mike and the Mad Dog. You know, he also owned the Seattle Mariners for a couple of years when they had Ken Griffey Jr., Alex Rodriguez, Randy Johnson. He also was the first to employ David Letterman, and he's coming back for a second time, Jeff Smullian, and the highlight tomorrow coming up at 840, Eric Trump, thanks to Liz Pipko. That's a big deal. Thursday, we've got Judge Napolitano, Bo Deedle, Bill O'Reilly, And it looks like Melissa DeRosa, she got to be one crazy lady to come on this show. Because it ain't going to go well. I mean, as far as I know, I read on Sunday that um, her and Cuomo, dickface Governor Andrew Cuomo, are being sued for the second time. I think it's Janice Dean's husband. But um, I started a conversation with DeRosa a couple of months ago when... LaSalle was not confirmed for Hokel because DeRosa is very critical of Hokel, and I like that. So you may remember about the time that Chris Cuomo threatened to beat me up, and Cindy Adams wrote about that. She also bumped into Hochul in a restaurant in Manhattan and almost beat her up. So then I was like, okay, I can, maybe I can deal with this lady. Anyway, she's going to come on, I think on Thursday, and um, she'll have to answer to all these questions. Is this uh, Stossel on the phone right now, Justin? I'm We're
5: figuring what, uh, it out I'm right now. It. Well, it
0: I says so. John Stossel. On the phone, it says John Stossel. But Alec has his chair leaned back, and he's talking to the guy like he's talking to his dad.
5: He's clearing it up right now. Tomorrow. He's
0: clearing he's right. things up. Yeah. Is this ready to go? Well,
4: yeah. If you give me a goddamn second, I would do it.
0: <laughs> Don't ever say goddamn. Mike Benefist, and he gets very upset with that.
4: Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you Mike. Sorry, Mike. That, Bang.
0: Idiot. Uh, and I love you. So I'm in London on Sunday. It's Easter Sunday. And I read the New York Post, wherever I am, and I come across this column. And, Justin, did I not send this to you very early on Sunday morning? You did, and you said, get me John Stossel. So I reached out yes, uh, on Sunday. Uh, and you did get it. Lo and him. behold. So the uh, column is, Trump indictment just leaves a nation facing the same awful choices. Now, I don't know John all that well. I watched him on Good Morning America 2020, all that stuff, Box. Now, of course, he's got John Stossel. the Stossel TV. And he's got a new video that comes out every Tuesday on johnstossel.com. You can watch those videos on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Rumble. But without knowing John personally, my thought was he hates President Trump. He probably does, by the way, but he found a way in this column to actually, while killing Trump, say nice things about Trump, including we'd be better off with Trump as president right now than Joe Biden. So with that said, here he is, very bright, very talented John Stossel making his debut on Sid and Friends in the Morning. Good morning,
10: John. Good morning, Sid.
0: Nice to have you.
10: Nice to be here.
0: Um, Are you in New York right now?
10: No, Cape Cod. Where's that? Cape Cod, Massachusetts. Oh, you're
0: in Cape Cod. It's lovely there. Yes, it's lovely. So uh, I thought your column on Sunday was great. I thought it was, for the most part, 80% fair. I thought it was smart. There's a couple of things I want to discuss with you, but uh, maybe I, I shouldn't have said this without talking to you first, but I really thought you hated Donald Trump. Read in the column, I'm not sure that's the case. How do you really feel
10: about the president? I hate him. I think he's a despicable person. He well, let me, you, let me stop you right mean? there. Yeah.
0: You called him in the piece a horrible person. Let me tell you something. I've known Trump for 30 years, and he can be the biggest jerk in the room, I'm the first to admit that. I mean, he can be impossible, okay? But to call him a horrible person when you got murderers and rapists and people walking the streets in New York City, I thought maybe that was a bit of a stretch, no?
10: Well, they're horrible people too, but you can have more than a few. And Trump has power and money and it has used it in nasty ways. I, I just wish we could have a presidential candidate who believed in limited government and was not such a lying, evil jerk.
0: You say all those things, not such a lying, evil jerk, and when I asked you if you hated him without any hesitation, you said, oh, yeah, I hate him, yet you make a very compelling argument in this column based on the great things, not the good things, and you left a lot out, by the way, the great things that Donald Trump did, and you said, and I quote, We'd be much better off as a nation if he was president right now than Joe Biden. How painful was it for you to have to write those things?
10: (laughs) Not painful. My job every Tuesday is just to (laughs) do research and say what I think. And I don't think there's any question. We've got 6% inflation, which they're saying, oh, it's down from 8. So great. It's just killing people's futures. And Biden keeps spending. And he approved this oil drilling recently. But that's the exception. Almost everything he proposes just makes life harder for poor people.
0: That's true. And you do put that in the column. And you go on to talk about uh, Trump's economic acumen and how we were doing as a country. And I would... I would say to you, John, that when you include the Abraham Accords, what he did for Israel, I'm Jewish, unparalleled. I mean, I had six presidents prior, Clinton, Obama, even Bush, promising to do all the things that only Trump did. And, of course, you do realize that Ukraine-Russia didn't happen under Trump. Neither would China even think about going into Taiwan. So while you talk a lot about the economy in that column... The truth is, I can go in 90 different directions and prove to you that outside of still owing people money in the construction business, this guy was a great president until COVID came, and even then, he had the vaccines, he stopped people from traveling in from China, even then, he did a
10: decent job. I agree. He did a decent job. Now, is it because he has acumen, as you put or maybe he was just eventually wise enough to stay out of it and let people like Larry Kudlow make the decisions. But you're, you're right. Because of Trump being in office and not imposing new regulations, we have the lowest unemployment in 50 years.
0: So, with all that said, you're a libertarian anyway. You're not a Democrat. Um, if it comes right. down to Trump versus Biden in 2024, it doesn't sound like there would be any hesitancy if you to vote for trump i mean right
10: <sighs> horrible I person rude for trump I think I'll, I'll vote for whoever the libertarian is oh
0: don't do that please john don't don't have our, our kids dying in a cave in afghanistan to vote for howard stern stop it's a waste of a vote you got two guys who can win you got to vote for one of those guys who's a libertarian candidate who's, who's that going to be you don't even know who the guy's going to be that's a waste
10: i don't I don't even know. But what right. is my vote in I live in Manhattan? What's my vote matter? We're gonna vote for Biden. Voting just encourages these people.
0: Yeah. Well you live in Manhattan. Let me ask you this. You're in Cape Guy live in Manhattan. I want to change this discussion. And again, I thought your column was great and fair, and even though I think horrible was a bit of a stretch, I could deal with all that. You live in Manhattan. The mayor is a Democrat. Now I'm a Republican. I'm not a crazy Steve Bannon Republican by any stretch, John. But I'm a Republican, but I become very friendly with the mayor. But lately, I'm very upset with the job he's doing, especially on this show last week telling me he thinks Alvin Bragg is doing a good job in a city that is completely falling apart. As you well know, living here, what are your thoughts on the local politics and the people in charge in New York City?
10: Well, I never liked them, and the city council's appalling, but certainly this mayor is better than the last mayor. What does that mean?
0: And what does that mean? That means uh, uh, I'd rather have herpes and AIDS? I mean, what does that mean?
10: Yes, exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wouldn't you agree that he has to be significantly better just to get this city a semblance of normalcy?
10: But let's not exaggerate it. The city isn't totally falling apart. Oh, John, I, listen. in some areas is uh, up, but in when, when I was in the city in the 90s, it was much, much worse.
0: Listen, uh, Rudy fixed it. And I was in London last week visiting my daughter in college, big city. I was in the theater district walking down the street, John, and the people from Italy, Germany, Brooklyn, just like New York City. There was no duty on the street. There were no homeless people yelling at themselves and making people nervous. People aren't getting killed in broad daylight. Big city. And, by the way, broke London, much like New York. So, yeah, it's, it, it is a shame what's going on here. It's not better. And Eric Adams needs to do a significantly better job than de Blasio just to get us to a decent state. And we're not there yet, John. That's why you're in Cape Cod today. <laughs>
10: I'm in Cape Codras. My wife wants to be Oh, not blame her for that. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'd like it there, too. But uh, So you think the city is on its way back?
10: Probably, because I'm a pessimist. But I have to admit, over time, as you look at things, most of life gets better. It's all because of the private sector overcoming the idiocy of government, crushing people's choices. But... We have more choices, and crime generally goes down, and people generally live longer and get more affluent and learn more. And on our phones, we have access to the whole world. And these things are wonderful, and we complainers should remember that.
0: I would pay money to see you and Dennis Miller. And you remind me so much of Dennis. Have you heard that before?
10: No. And is Dennis? I don't have a show i haven't I don't heard know. about it well right he there.
0: used to be on o'reilly like you used to be on o'reilly you remember those days
10: i uh, used to be yeah
0: on tuesday nights my late partner bernard mcgurk was on tuesday nights with the very unfunny greg gutfeld if you remember that
10: no i missed i missed that tuesday nights what
0: my uh, late Gut- partner bernard mcgurk was on O'Reilly show every tuesday night with the unfunny greg gutfeld
10: i see well yeah. greg is funny sometimes no
0: he's not he's stupid Not funny. No, he's not. Yes, he is. He's not funny. Okay, you're entitled.
10: Write that in the Rumble.
0: Your radio show. That's right, and don't forget that. (laughs) But write that in your piece in the Rumble next week when uh, when the Don Stossel piece comes out in the Rumble. What do you think of the governor here, Kathy Hogle?
10: Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) yeah, She just is not She's another Democrat, and. You know, she's not a horrible Democrat. She's not crazy like yeah. many of them are. She's not a socialist, but. Yeah. She's worse. Uh,
0: yeah. I love when you groan. I, I think
10: it's hilarious.
0: I used well, to love that.
10: Yeah. Yeah. life doesn't depend on politicians, and I don't look to politics mm-hmm. for solutions.
0: Then what do you look for? How, how, do, how do things get decided in John Stossel's life?
10: If you leave free people alone, free people make life better. And life has gotten better, even in New York. I guess. And I walk on the street and all hours of the night and generally feel safe. You do? Yes.
0: Well, I don't know about that. I think you're probably lying or exaggerating. Nobody feels. No. Nobody feels safe ever,
10: ever since I got my two new knees replaced, <laughs> now I can at least right. defend myself. Right <laughs> now, I don't.
0: I'm not going to ask you where you live in the city. That wouldn't be right. You're a famous person, and there are a lot of crazy people here. But uh, do you spend a lot of time at the garden. Do you go to Nick games or Ranger games? You're like a real New York sports
8: fan.
10: Mm, no, 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 no. What do you do? You read, probably, right? I play beach volleyball in Central Park. That is so
0: hot, John. I can't begin to tell you.
10: <laughs> <laughs> I play beach I volleyball. It. Everybody has their thing, and that's my thing. All right. Or at Chelsea Piers, where they have an indoor court. I love it there.
0: So I remember there for many, many, many years. I used to live on 21st and 8th. In fact, during nine eleven, I lived on 21st and 8th. Uh, listen, I- I'm a fan of yours. I think you're brilliant. And I think this was an unbelievable conversation. And I did love your piece on Sunday. I want all you folks to watch Stossel TV, and again, every Tuesday on johnstossel.com. Check out his new video. Maybe he'll put this on next Tuesday. The videos are on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Rumble. Thank you for doing this, John. Let's do this more often. Okay, pal?
10: Good. Thanks, Sid. Bye.
8: Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just...
1: 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the morning. 77 WABC. A
3: nice long-term outlook for the Knicks. Legs. Uh, what about the next month or so? What What do we expect to see from them in this year's playoffs? Yeah. Well, look, they pushed this thing forward by a mile, and Brunson is the main reason for that. And I think they could beat Cleveland potentially in the first round, but it stops there. Just like Tim said, I think it's a five or six-game series. After that, against Milwaukee, um, the Bucks just are just too much, too deep. The Knicks have moved it to a position now where you can see them start to become relevant. They're inching toward being a contender in the East, but right now they're not on a level with the Bucks or the Celtics. I actually thought at one point Philadelphia was flirting with that four spot and they were battling with Cleveland. If Philly had dropped to four, I, I thought maybe that was a team the Knicks could potentially beat in the first round. But when you talk about Milwaukee-Boston, that's a different class right now for the Knicks. They still need to add more to get to that level.
0: That's my buddy Tim Legler. He's doing my show every week down in Miami. Little Jethro Tull Fabrini talking about the Knickerbockers. Laura Curran just sent me this. She goes, that Stossel interview, I was riveted the entire time. Weirdly suspenseful. Couldn't shut it off. Oh, my God. Wild. You handled them so well. I swear to God, I've gotten more on this Stossel interview than Eric Adams and the Trumps, all of them combined. Because it was... Odd and weird and beautiful, all those things. But now we go to the man, one of my dearest friends, just a lovely human being, also the best NBA announcer in the world today, Hall of Famer, whether he's doing the Knicks or the NBA finals with Jackson and Van Gundy. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, the great Mike Breen. Michael, good morning. How are you?
17: The only thing I can guarantee you is that this will not be a weirdly suspenseful interview. (laughs)
0: I, uh, you won't be, I, got, I got to tell you a story. So, uh, I got a lot of Nick games lately. All my friends give me tickets Corey Zelnick and Dr. Mark Siegel and O'Reilly, all these people. And I usually get really good seats. So, uh, the last game I went to, Corey gave me his seats, and I sat right by the scorer's table where Breen sits, you know. And I took Danielle and my son Gabe and Gabe's buddy Ashton. I think the Knicks played the Nets that night. So, long story short, you didn't know this, Mike, but my son Gabe, he's become a huge Nick fan, huge Nick fan. But he only wanted to meet you that night. Chris Rock was there and all these people. I got to meet Breen. So it's about five minutes before the game starts, and I walk Gabriel over to the desk where you're doing an on-court pregame interview with Walt Clyde Frazier. I see the guy I know for 25 years, Gabe Freed, we go back 25 years. And then your female producer jumps in and basically pushes me and Gabe out of the way because in her defense, she was doing her job. You were doing the pregame show. And Gabe never met you that night, and he's been upset ever since, just so you know.
17: <laughs> well, we'll right that wrong in terms of meeting Gabe. I look forward to meeting him. But I have <laughs> to say this. Before the games, and it has nothing to do with me, um, you wouldn't believe the amount of people that come over to see Clyde, get an autograph, take yep, a picture. Yep, yep. It gets to the point where he can't, he can't even do his job, <laughs> and you need somebody there to be strong to hold people off. I've never seen anything like it, and each year it seems to get worse, I, worse in terms of, you know, the people coming over. It's wonderful and, and touching how many, so many people want to meet him. But you have to have somebody to do that, so yeah. we'll make sure that we'll make sure that uh, I meet Gabe and that Gabe meets Clyde as well. Uh,
0: she was great; she did her job. And we had met Clyde before because when you sit in those seats, you, you end up in that very uh, you know ritzy Delta Club before the game. And Walt does this a lot; he goes to that club before the game to meet the kids. He's a wonderful guy. So we took pictures with Walt, but again, he didn't even want Walt. He wanted you. So we have to set well, that up, Gabby and Mike Breen. Uh, yeah, listen. By the
17: way, I did say to her before, yeah. I said, "Whatever you do, <laughs> don't let Sid come on the court."
0: You <laughs> probably did. Uh, also, I, I did want to get to you a few weeks ago when uh, we lost Willis Reed, and uh, Marv was on the show, and Marv had uh, just beautiful things to say about you. By the way, who doesn't? Uh, that night, uh, I did see a really nice. Uh, piece on the scoreboard before the game about the captain. And I know you're uh, a little young. You weren't doing Nick games back then, but uh, certainly you, you know the history of the organization. You're a student of the game. Willis Reed's loss meant what to you and the Nick organization?
17: Well, he just, he was this larger than life character um, who represented the greatest moment in the history of the franchise. And he did it always, with uh, a tough competitiveness on the court, uh, would refuse to back down from anyone. But off the court, he he had this just humble kindness about him that made even his teammates on that championship team. And these are some of the most accomplished basketball players of all time. And in terms of off the court, some of the most accomplished men. Yet their reverence for this man uh, was something that always struck me every time they got together. Um, the way they treated him was different the way they treated all the others. And Clyde, who, again, is one of the greatest players of all time, that was his role model. And when I'd hear the stories the way they talked about him, I realized it was more than just what he did on the court in terms of numbers. It was even more than what he did the court in terms of leadership. He just was somebody that represented them and represented the franchise with such grace and dignity that. He is as important as anybody in the history of the franchise.
0: Well said. Hall of Famer, dear friend, the best in the business, Mike Breen, who is very handsome. I have to say, the gray beard, mustache, hair, with the color suit you wear, and take this from a bald, tan, muscle guy, you look very handsome on television during the games, Mike. <laughs>
17: <laughs> just listen to you. First off, you have, to, you have to throw in the gray part about. The <laughs> So that's a little shot. And then when you're describing yourself, you have to put muscle.
0: Like, well, what's wrong with you? Well, because what happened? And I hate telling this story. What I do, but the last nick game I was at, somebody thought I was the Rock, and uh, it's a true story. And it really bothered my wife, Danielle. She hates that. So when people do that, she goes, "Well, he's more like the pebble than he is the Rock." But
17: <laughs> well, you get you. I you get the Rock. You know, who I've gotten a, a few times recently. Every, every once in a while, I get it. Um, I get Anderson Cooper. I can People see that. Think I'm Anderson Cooper. Yes, I can uh, that's see that. An insult to Anderson Cooper, but <laughs> it's still nice. To, it's nice for me.
0: No, no, no. You're a very handsome man, and I tell you what. Before we get to the actual team on the court, you talk about all the all the attention Clyde gets before the game. So you know me. I I, I am yeah, the number one radio host. Blah blah blah. I don't, I'm I'm the biggest star steaker, I'm the worst biggest uh, the jock guy in the world. So I look around the crowd before the game, and anybody who's moderately famous i got to get a picture with. So the last couple of weeks, I've gotten Liv Schreiber, Chris Rock, Tracy Morgan. But then, Mike, they do the, the scoreboard, and they point out all these famous people, you know. And I right. get it. Listen, I, I'm not in Kevin Bacon's class. I'm not in Liam Neeson's class. I'm not in Chris Rock's class. But then they show some guy who only my 14-year-old son knows who it is. What do I have to do to get on? <laughs>
17: <laughs> all right, I'll tell you what. yeah. yeah. You have to stop wearing a name tag. When you walk around with your name tag to show people who you are, it kind of turns them off. So take the name tag off, and they'll put you (laughs) on.
0: Is that it? That's all I have to do? (laughs) Yes. You know how many times Gabe says to me, Daddy, you're next, Daddy, you're next? And it's like some girl who sang in a band in, like, you know, 1971, who's been out of the business for 30 years. I go, I'm never coming. It's never going to happen. I'm going to talk to Breen, so I just talk to him. Now, who is the guy on this Nick team? with this great season as we start the postseason against the Cavaliers on Saturday, that has that Willis-Reed role. Who's the the leader, the captain? When things aren't going well, who's the nick that brings them together?
17: It's Jalen Brunson. I heard uh, Tim Legler's soundbite, and he's so right. Brunson had, had one of the great seasons by a point guard, even by any guard in franchise history. He's one of the top seasons by... When you look at what he did, not just from a numbers standpoint, uh, but again from the leadership standpoint, from a clutch standpoint, and uh, I I just think he's changed the perception of the franchise because now you have this special young player who's talented, has this toughness about him and the leadership quality, that it just makes a difference um, that you feel like you have a chance every night and also at the end of games. You feel confident with the ball in his hands that he's going to make the right decision. And he's one of those players that, and, and you can't say this about a lot of them, but it's the old cliche, he makes those around mm. him better. Yep. And I, I, you add all those things in his numbers, what he put up, I don't think anybody, I, I, I kid his father about this, his father's one of the assistant coaches, Rick, that even he didn't expect him to score this much and this efficiently. And his father says, no, we knew he had it in him. (laughs) And he's proved that at other levels, but this is the first chance in the NBA that he's the one that has the keys to the car. He he, he was never going to have that Dallas as long as Doncic was there, but now he's got to the keys to the car and he is driving magnificently.
0: Yeah. Mark Cuban kicks himself in the ass almost every day. Actually blame Rick for Jalen leaving and coming to New York. That's fine. But I'll tell you how good Jalen Brunson is. There's very few point guards in the league who would start over Emmanuel quickly. I know he's a great six man coming off the bench. I know the Knicks like him in that role. So do I. But every time this guy's forced into starting duty, he's good for 30. He's good for 40. He also finds the open man, great passer, really good ball handler. That's how you know Jalen Brunson is great because he starts ahead of Emmanuel quickly.
17: Yeah, no, quickly. um, You know, quickly and Quentin Grimes are two young players who've taken an enormous leap this year. And, you know, Tom Thibodeau used to get criticism for not playing younger players. Well, he has been a big part of why these two younger players have grown, because he's he's given them confidence. He's given them the the minutes, especially at the end of games. And those two players have taken giant leaps. And that's one of the reasons why this team is, is really starting to come on. It's why they have a real legitimate chance to beat the Cavs in the first round. And that nobody wanted to play them in the playoffs because they—they just got a toughness about them, and these young players play with such a great spirit. It's—it's uh, it's been one of the more enjoyable seasons I've had uh, broadcasting Nick games in a long time.
0: Yeah, I felt the same way being at the Garden. Not—not not broadcasting like you. You're an integral part of the team. Uh, I just show up and and I feel the the excitement. It's. It's palpable. It really is. And, and, you know, we talked here about Brunson, and I love R.J. Barrett's game. He's a slasher, gets to the foul line. But a lot of Knickmans think this team will either go or not go as far as Julius Randle does. Julius had a great year a couple of years ago, took a step backwards, and another great year this year. But he comes off that ankle injury, has not played the last five regular season games, seems to be in doubt whether he'll play on Saturday. So it's a two-question deal here, Mike Brain. A, do you think Randall will play? And if he really can't play, can the Knicks still win?
17: Well, first off, I I think he's going to play. Um, I don't have any inside information. I do know that he's progressed really well. He's out of the walking boot. He was doing some shooting the other day. He's been getting treatment nonstop. You know, whether or not he, he starts playing in game one, uh, that I don't know. But I, I'm sure at one point he'll play. And, and they, they desperately need him if they want to beat the Cavs. He's really the one player on the team that draws double teams. And in a playoff series, especially when you play a great defensive team like the Cavaliers, and they are a great defensive team, you need that player who draws double teams. Um, and he's the one guy that does it. And you, you can't – you don't have seasons where you score 25, 10 rebounds, 4 assists. Very few players in the league were able to do that. Yeah. Um, and the, the ones that, that have done that this year, they're, they're guys that are up for the MVP consideration. Is he the perfect player? No. And did he lose his poise a few times toward the tail end of the season? Absolutely, but but he is he's one of the more talented forwards. He's got a chance to be All NBA, and he's the I would say you know just as big a reason why they had the season they had. The guy puts up big numbers night after night, and prior to the ankle injury, he did something that most players don't do: he played every game. Hmm. So yep. availability is key. So many guys are sitting out. This guy comes ready to play every single night. And I do
0: like how deep this team is. We talked about – you You mentioned Thibodeau playing young players. He you went with the nine-man rotation, which I thought was terrific. McBride saw some playing time late, but I like the one-two punch of Robinson and Hartenstein. I love Hart. That was a great acquisition. Uh, Toppin, when he's out there for minutes, usually does something. So I think the Knicks, Mike, maybe one more big-time player away from beating teams like like Milwaukee and Boston in the postseason regularly, but right now this is a pretty deep basketball team, very talented, I would say, for a five seed. Yes,
17: yeah, so I, I agree. Um, you know, Boston. By the way, they beat Boston three out of four games yes. this year, three in a row, uh, and had and had some of their best wins against them. They actually match up pretty well with Boston, um, and they they beat the Cavaliers three out of four as well. Now it's it's a different story in the playoffs. If you remember, two years ago. Knicks had beaten the Hawks four out of four during the regular season and then lost in five games in the playoffs. So you've got to adjust and, and you've got to come ready because every, everybody now starts playing defense once the playoffs begin. Um, so it's going to be a really difficult matchup, but they've got a chance. And, you know, the Cavs is as great as they are. Donovan Mitchell was sensational this year. They've got those two big guys in Mobley and Jared Allen. So it's, I, I can't wait to see how they perform. Brunson has already shown he can perform in the playoffs well. He um, he had a 41-point game last year with Dallas when Doncic was out. So he's not going to shy away. Josh Hart has never played in the playoffs, so he's going to be fired up. I just think the you – know, I can't wait for game three at the Garden. I can't mm. wait for game one. But that first game at the Garden is going to be great because, as you said, the fans have kind of fallen in love with this team. And it's a fan base. That's what I might be most happy about is that the fan base gets a team like this. It is the most loyal fan base in the NBA as far as – I know I'm not objective. I'm from New York my whole life. I've been a Knicks fan since I was eight. (laughs) Um, But it's a fan base that deserves a team like this, and and this team supplied it.
0: Last 60 seconds, our mutual friend, as I do this interview once again from the Bernard McGurk Studios here at WABC. He a um, big MMA guy, big UFC guy, and he would, you know, reluctantly talk about some of the major sports with me, but never basketball, because he really did love the Knicks and he loved you. You guys very, very close. In fact, you were friends with Bernard well before you and I became friends, or me and Bernie became friends. He loved you and he loved when the Knicks were in the playoffs. He'd always say, I get to hear Breen and Breen and Jackson and Van Gundy. So something tells me, Mike, that our mutual friend will be watching this. From the heavens above, and rooting for you and the Knicks because he loved you when he did like this team.
17: Well, he, he was he was a closet Nick fan. He didn't want to admit <laughs> right. how, what a big Nick fan he was, and uh, I knew it. He used to text me sometimes during games because uh, he was he was so into it. Um, it's still so hard to believe yeah. Sid, that that he's gone. But I, I have to tell you, I so appreciate how you. You've kept his memory alive. You constantly talk about him and his influence. So uh, for all of us who love Bernard, we love you for that.
0: I love you too, Mike Green. And uh, looking forward to your call on Saturday and throughout all the NBA playoffs and eventually you, Mark, and Jeff. And uh, you're a great, great basketball guy. But, man, you may be the best human being I've ever met. And uh, that says a lot. I love you. Thank you so much.
17: All right, Sid, and don't forget, take off the name tag. That's when you, think, <laughs> you, go. you
2: got it.
0: There he is, everybody, the Hall of Fame voice. What a great guy, the New York Knicks,
1: Mike Breen. Talk Radio 77. W.A.B.C. Boy. Now, it's time for Sid's Take. Sid's Take, Sid's take yeah! Good luck, Sid's Take, sponsored by Peerless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC.
4: All right, an abbreviated edition of Sid's Take Trivia Game, sponsored by Pete Morgan and uh, Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com, to find a dealer near you. They are the world's best built boilers. Steve is out in Bergen County. Steve, we are tut on time today. we got to be quick about it. you got two for Tuesday. I'm going to give you two songs. you got to tell me who uh, wrote and uh, performed those songs, Okay. Okay. All right. Here we go, Steve. Number one, your two songs, Have Mercy and Endless Summer Nights.
8: Uh, No idea. All right.
4: Loser. Correct answer there would be Richard Marks. On to number two, Ain't That Unusual and Naked. Ain't That Unusual and Naked? Yep. No clue. Ah. Oh.
8: Right.
4: Correct answer there would be the Goo, Goo Dolls. On to number three, Jet City Woman and Eyes of a Stranger.
16: Jet
4: City Woman and Eyes of a Stranger. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Billy Squire. Oh, no. Loser. Queensland. That would be the correct answer there. <laughs> On to number four. Your two songs on number four Last Train to Clarksville and Stepping Stone.
16: Uh, I don't know, Mamas and Papas? Oh, man. And now,
4: over four. On to number five. The correct answer there, The Monkees. On to number five. Your two songs Roots and Wings and Sixth Avenue Heartache. Uh, Bruce Springsteen. Oh, no, no. <laughs> the Wallflower. Mm. Well, Steve, I could hear it in your voice. You gave it your best shot, and it just wasn't even <laughs> nearly close to good enough. So, uh, you'll give us another shot, uh, maybe sometime uh, down Let's do it quick. Oh, all right. Indecent Proposal was a disturbing movie I never got to
0: back about an hour yes. ago. It's mm. not like... I no, more... Woody Harrelson. Yeah. yeah, that's just... And what's his name? Uh, Robert, Redford. Robert Redford? Yeah, that, he paid, that guy. He paid a million dollars to have sex with Demi Moore?
5: Mm-hmm. For a night, one night. Yeah. I wouldn't
0: do that. No, not now. No. <laughs> I don't know what I would do. I'm such a jealous. I'm so jealous.
5: Oh, forget it. Like you I'm like a child still. Like nah, I'm yeah. jealous. Yeah. You would have the jet fighters yeah. going out to get him and shoot him like down. Like if I see a man, yeah. like
0: a boy's name, man's name, I'm like, who is that? Like, right away, two seconds, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, right. I call my wife the beautiful Danielle, so a lot of the people I'm around now, they don't mean anything bad by it. They just kind of kidding. they call her the beautiful Danielle. I'm like, why are she calling you beautiful? Yeah. Ooh, How about I, I punch know. him across his face? Yeah, you do that. Let's uh, play the I'm game. i call please. his wife beautiful. Let's call my wife Danielle. Take it easy, beautiful Danielle. <laughs> and I'm the one who that, by the way. I'm, right. a, I'm a psycho. You are a
4: psychopath. Okay. Let's go. Yeah, Let's at go. least you're self-aware. Hunter On number one, <laughs> two for Tuesday. No. Have mercy and endless summer nights. Which it wants. There you go. By the way, this guy went over for five. You've already won his game. Congratulations. All right. On to number two, Ain't That Unusual and Naked. Ain't That Unusual. What's the second one? Naked. Naked? Yeah. That would be um, Tom Jones. No. You're going to be disappointed in yourself here. Who is it? Goo Goo Dolls. Oh, the Goo Goo Dolls. Mm. Oh, yes. On to number three, Jet City Woman and Eyes of a Stranger. Melissa Manchester. No. no man. Shut up, Lou.
2: <laughs> <laughs> correct answer there. Queen's and Ice. Yeah. <laughs> On to number four. <laughs> <Tucson>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, My God.
4: Last train to Clarksville. The and monkeys. There you go. Spectacular.
0: I've actually done shows from Gilligan's, the only bar in Clarksville, Tennessee.
4: Um, that's got to be a really fun town. <laughs> oh, On to number five. Roots and Wings, and 6th Avenue Heartache. Wallflowers. Ah, I win 3-0.
0: We'll come no. back and wrap things up on this great Tuesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning, right after these words.
1: It's Sid's Take. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
0: Monkeys, last train to Clarksville. What a heck of a show today. All the guests were really terrific. Brian Kilmeade and Bo Teetle. We had Arthur Idalo. We had John Stossel, Hall of Fame Nick Boyce, Mike Breen. Huge show coming up tomorrow, another big one. My buddy Elizabeth Pipco, the lovely one, will be live in studio. But along the way, you'll get Curtis Saliva, Congressman Peter King, MS Broadcast. Radio Hall of Fame genius Jeff Smolian. And the big one, thanks to Liz, coming up at 8.40 tomorrow morning, Eric Trump. Right here with me, Sid. Throughout the week, some more major, major guests, which we'll announce later on. So thank you for spending your Tuesday with us. Great job, Lou Ruffino. That was fun. Look at you. You love the monkeys. You love them.
5: Is this one of your favorite groups ever? The monkeys? Probably number one. (laughs) That's it. Blows everybody else away. You hate them? No, I love them. Uh, I saw them a couple of times. But you never saw them? Yes. Not even once. Threw their underwear at me. It was quite <laughs> shocking. <laughs> Stop it.
0: Justin Ellick, great job today, buddy. Thanks. You have uh, <laughs> stepped it up big time. That's a John Stossel, thanks. All right, thank you. Yeah, yeah,
8: yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. Bye, Sid. Bye, bye. bye, Stepped it up big time <laughs> since we, uh, Macedonia Phil has moved on. Milton yeah, nope, no. Layton was also great today. Oh, okay, yeah. You're all great. We'll do it again tomorrow morning, folks. Enjoy your 75-degree sunny day in New York City and the rest of WABC's broadcasting throughout the day. From all of us sitting friends in the morning to all of you until 6 a.m. on a Wednesday, peace!